the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 150 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, and with me, like every week, is the Josh Dunn of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. Uh, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, it was a big week for MMA with UFC 221, with the vacant uh, interim UFC middleweight title being up for grabs. Was it one? Was it not one? We'll talk about that. And a few other fights from UFC 221. We look ahead to Cowboy uh, Cerrone versus Yancy Medeiros card next week. Derek Lewis is on that card as well and a few more guys, so we'll talk about that. Uh, James Gallagher had a fight announced this week. Also, Chris Cyborg uh, against Yana Kunitskaya and uh, Frankie Edgar and T-City was announced for this week. Um, There's also some news about um, Joe Carvalho's death and the inquest into that uh, and the big statement from Shane and um, and subsequently the IWMWA came out, so we'll talk about that. I was at Cage Legacy at the weekend, and, and we'll we'll bring all of those things in together. Anyway, Graham, how are you? How are things? Yeah, good, good. Just got off, good. Just got finished watching the football. Uh, some good results uh, in the the old the Dublin win, or did you know, who were, were Dublin playing today? I heard the Kerry and Mayo game was called off. Or so, you, could, you could be a politician with your deflections. Which game? Which game was it? Your football? Were you watching? Uh, I was watching uh, Rafa Benitez uh, dismantle uh, oh, Mourinho soccer, Man- Manchester United, soccer. even with the referees not giving penalties and letting people kick, letting Valencia kick people in the face. So, uh, oh, Liverpool, you watching, Liverpool went on to a dominant win as well. Mo Salah, your your favorite boy, and Jurgen Klopp, you, you love him as well. You know, so West I'm saying you're delighted now. Or you don't even like football anymore now, do you? Uh, you know, anyway. West Britain calling it fucking football anyway. Football? What are you talking about? It's soccer? You're Irish, like talking about football football is played by dublin and kerry and mead and teams like that like well football is won by dublin you mean yeah yeah i, I don't i don't <laughs> even like football so i don't care real men play hurling when the last time they won anything in football i don't know ah, they won under 21 all ireland there like ah, 15 years ago or something no they got the even, even england winning. even england win the world cup in in football soccer at underage like come on Two World Wars and one World Cup, and we sat off. It wasn't a great day in the old round ball front. Yeah. Yeah, I anyway. played a Rafa Benitez, though, and uh, John Joe Shelby. It was good to see uh, the boys linking up for uh, a good, uh, easy victory. Even another young player that Liverpool let go that's that's doing good. Well, hardly young. Well, he was young when they let him go, like, you know, so. Yeah, he's he, like Shelby's an interesting one. If he had a bit of pace, like, he just, some players just don't have pace and everything. He does he need pace. Like he, when he's not playing, he, when he plays really well like that, he he's, he doesn't do it consistently. But like he he gets sent off, and he he's uh, he's a bit of a liability at times due to his lack of acceleration and pace. But uh, when he's on his game, he's on his game. But uh, it was a pretty poor performance from Man United, from what I saw. I didn't see the whole game though. But uh, it was uh, it didn't look good. Yeah. Before we Martial, get into Martial with them two misses, that was hilarious. And yeah. uh, uh, Alexis yeah, Sanchez yeah. fake shotting an open goal was so funny. Mkhitaryan would have started that. Mkhitaryan was over. It's this is never made podcast. Please, please, it, it, nobody so, wants to hear about this. Soccer's back midweek. The real foot soccer's back. Football soccer. This is never made podcast. Champions League. Never made podcast. Champions League. Anyway, it's episode 150 <laughs> this time, and it's uh, it's our three-year anniversary, so we better mark the occasion. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Right, let's get into the MMA. Uh, 
<laughs> I was planning on saying something there. I was like, no, I've nothing to say. Who cares? Yeah, we'll just move on. Uh, right, UFC 2 to 1. Um, I, it was funny, actually. I was at Cage Legacy and I was thinking of a few different things, uh, like just watching uh, a lot of the fights and stuff. I was like, I was thinking to myself, like, uh, people aren't throwing as many spinning back fists and spinning kicks and stuff anymore. And I was like, I was I, I was going to tweet it. I, was, I think I said it to Patrick before and was there, or Patrick or one of them. And I was like, no, I, I'll keep it for a podcast. And in the first, I, I didn't sell for the fights on Saturday night. I watched it this morning. The first fight I watched was Juicy Formiga, Bin Win. <laughs> and what happens? A big fucking spinning back fist knocks him down, gets the, uh, gets the rear neck a choke. And I was like, fuck's sake, why didn't I tweet it? Why didn't I say it? But I, I'm bringing it up here now. Um, we'll, we'll look at a couple of the fights on the undercard and coming up to the main event before we get to the main event, because I suppose that'll be the, the bulk of that talk anyway. What did you think of that, that Formiga win fight? I thought it was a, a pretty good fight. Um and and a good win in the end for Farmiga. There was just I think it just showed like the levels in this one. Farmiga is probably could be the next guy in line for the for the title in that way. Yeah, I think when Farmiga Farmiga so high level at Jiu Jitsu and especially off the back when he's when he's on somebody's back, um, he's he's really dangerous and he finishes a lot from there. Um, and then plus you're obviously you're uh, Ben Win had obviously been rocked with that big spinning back fist and the ref could have stopped it a couple of times like uh before he before the end and it, it's just uh, there is levels to it as you say uh like there's jiu-jitsu black belts and then there's jiu-jitsu black belts like you know there's uh, it depends on who you're getting the black belt off and all that stuff so uh and, and certain guys are, are are better at certain positions like maybe like uh for me is back, uh, not as good on uh, at, like side control and mount as he is at back control so once you he's that's his favorite position and once he got it there it was it was a formality especially with a rocked fighter underneath him yeah i i really think ben win is a really good fighter and i think he'll end up getting a title shot at some stage but it's just he's not there yet it's ju- this was definitely juicy for me day and he's he's a really really good fighter and just kind of a level above at this stage um, there, there were good wins as well. The decision win for uh, Ross Pearson on the undercard, and yeah, Don he needed he needed that win as well. Like that was that was vital, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. It was a dominant performance, but it wasn't. Um, I don't think. I think we've seen the best of Ross Pearson. I don't think uh, he's ever gonna. He's ever gonna be. Uh, much, he's he's gonna ever gonna be more than like a gatekeeper kind of guy or a, a good test for prospects. But you need guys like that around as well. And he's had a good career in the UFC, so. Uh, it's good to see him get a win, but I, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think his best days are, are long behind him now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And what about is Israel Adesanya? One, I, I tweeted out one of the best uh, UFC debuts I've seen in a long time. He, he has to be one of the top, pros, pros, top prospects in the sport in the moment. I thought actually Rob Wilkinson played a good game plan. He, he had a lot of joy pushing him up against the fence, got a couple of takedowns, but I think he looked Israel on the ground even when he was taken down or pushed up against the fence. He looked good. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He looked like he was biding his time, waiting to get out or, you know, got out pretty quickly almost every time. He looked he looked uh, fantastic on the field. I can't say enough good things about him. You know, powerful, nasty when he needed to be worked a jab. Like we we talked about it a, a couple of months ago, and someone asked, "What's the missing key? What's the missing link for a lot of guys in in MMA?" And uh, you know, what what's the biggest thing you could improve? And I think the jab is one of those things. And he throws that jab so well and throws the shots behind it. You know, and it's not easy in MMA. And we, we talk about it a lot. It's not easy to throw lots of combinations lots of shots together like because you leave yourself open for takedowns or you leave yourself open to be countered but he's so tall so big so skillful that he does it really well and he's the power as well behind it 
I'm I can't wax lyrical enough about him. I think he's he's a phenomenal fighter. Yeah, on the feet he seemed to he seemed to understand uh, distance as well, like, which is a lot of a lot of young fighters don't, or it takes it takes him a while to master it. And maybe maybe he'll come unstuck against a, a better opponent. But um, one thing that would maybe look like a Honest game, I didn't think Rob Wilkinson's takedowns were all that explosive, or like they, they didn't look they didn't look great. Maybe that was because of what Israel was doing to to make it difficult. But um, a higher level wrestler might cause might cause him trouble, but um, he's obviously young in his UFC career and a really good prospect. I think it was uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson had brought him in in order to to uh, replicate John Jones when when they were meant to fight. So uh, he's obviously well well thought of, and um, he, he as you said, his striking was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who they put him up against next. Uh, there's, there's not there's not a lot of uh, up and coming guys in the division, so it's, it's he's he's much needed fresh blood in the division so i think maybe they might give him another another um nice matchup where he can kind of add to his highlight reel and get a bit more comfortable in there before stepping up um or stepping up and anybody in the top 10 but uh it's going to be very interesting to watch him in the coming years do you know what they should do they should feed dan kelly to him that's what they should do they should give him dan kelly but bill in australia if dan kelly gets him down though like yeah, good do you know what I'd like to see, actually? And I know you're saying don't move him up too quick, and maybe this is a bit too quick, but Lioto Machida. What a fight mm. that'd be on the feet. It has a name value, and Machida's definitely um, passed his best by the looks of things, so th- that could be a that could be a good matchup. And also the fact that uh, Machida's not going to be heavy on takedowns and stuff like that, it might give... Uh, it might it might give it give a chance for it to turn into a, a really really interesting striking match because obviously Machida's uh, well versed in the striking, but uh, th- this guy's like got the kind of new style. He's got more tools in his striking arsenal than Machida. Machida's kind of pretty much one shot one shot at a time karate mainly on the left side. So I think people have kind of figured out Machida a little bit as well. So that'd be an interesting one, but maybe not next. Maybe maybe a little easier easier one next, and then they can they can maybe do that as a as a Brazilian main event or a fight night main event. Yeah, I think he's 12 fights as well at this stage. He's a, a, pile of, uh, a pile of kickboxing matches, 28 years of age. I don't think he'll be held back for much longer. I think, I, I didn't agree with you. I think maybe one or two more and then they'll be pushing him up into that level. And, he, you know, he looks like a good talker. He, you know, he has, he looks actually a bit like John Jones, doesn't he? He fights like John Jones. He fights, he's just a really, really good fighter. Can't say enough of him. Obviously, he's, bigger tests will prove he needs to, you know, I've been against better wrestlers in that division as well. It's going to be tougher for him, but if he keeps improving, you know, we, we see guys a lot when they get to the UFC and just that, like, that extra bit of money where they, maybe he can fly over and, you know, go to AKA or, or you know, you said he trained at Rumble. Maybe he can go out to ATT and, and train with them for six months and improve his game uh, even further. You know, that that can make a lot of difference. You know, that, that uh, did he get 50 grand? Did he get a bonus? Uh, um, let me look. I actually didn't see. Uh, he's also, he did. Yeah, he did. He's also that, finished that could be all, a life all his opponents uh, by TKO mm-hmm. or KO in his whole career. So he, he's he's only been to the second round what, four or five times in his career, and he's never been further in the second round. So he's a finisher as well, um, at least against, like, you know, okay, these a lot of these guys he's fought aren't exactly household names, but Melvin Gallard's on there, and, like, he may be over the hill, but he's a very experienced fighter, over 50 fights, and he just took him out in the first round. So he's a... Uh, He's definitely a massive prospect. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
uh, up then further up the card, Tyson Pedro got a, a, light, a nice finish. Uh, Kimura uh, in his fight, Tai Tuivasa got a, a nice finish as well, um, midway through the first round in his fight. Uh, and Jake Matthews, uh, Li Zhang Liang, oh, Jake Matthews won that. I, I thought it was close to winning all three rounds. It was 29 28, was an okay scoreline as well. What did you think of the um, 3026s? What about the 3026s as well? That was a bit mad, yeah, it was a bit mad, yeah. The... You know, I, it's funny, actually, you know, my article came out this week about the, the whole uh, scoring system and the new and old things. This was the old rules here. But by the looks of that 3026, they're using the new judging rules, aren't they? They're using the new judging uh, criteria. Yeah, it must so. be, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, as long as the right guy won the fight, it doesn't really matter, I suppose. What about that eye puck, though? It was pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah, that was uh, you're in a guillotine and you just start raking the guy's eyes and trying to get out of it. And the ref spots it and taps you on the shoulder and says, If you do that again, I'm going to take a point. It's just like you might as well cheat because the ref's not going to take a point straight away 90% or more of the time. You're going to get another warning. So uh, it just makes sense to cheat the, the way uh, the refs are, are uh, officiating the, the fouls. But people yeah. putting their feet in the cage, their hands in the cage. Um, is one thing, but putting your hands into the eyes should be like if the ref spots it straight away, you're doing it on purpose, like pretty clearly, like there's it looks on purpose. It's in a rear naked choke, like you or in a guillotine, and it's it's just like if that's not a, a point, then like come on, what is? Yeah, I'd be okay with this being uh, like a six month ban or something like that, or you that that was just egregious like it was really really bad he's stuck he's thumb first towards his eye and then he's two fingers right into his eye you know jimmy smith said it on commentary what, what did they you know when the referee said don't do it again or i'll take a point he's like what do you want him to do stick three fingers into his eye the next time like it was absolutely horrendous terrible there's no place for that anywhere in mma like and uh, you know jake matthews if I wouldn't have blamed Jack Matches if he didn't fight on after that, you know that that could that should have been a disqualification. There, as you said there, you know the ref saw it and he said not to do it again. If the ref saw that, that should be an immediate disqualification. You can't stick your two fingers straight into someone's eye like that. You know, at least at least take a point. You know, it, it was absolutely horrendous. You know, and you know. <sighs> You have to say I'm biased and everyone. Glad Jack Matthews won that fight after that because that was nasty. That was a dirty thing to do. Like, you know, like, you know even even if he has a point taken there and he gets out of the guillotine, it's probably like a, uh, a good decision by mm -hmm. Lee to do it. So, like, the fact that he got away without a point is just is, is just criminal, really. Yeah, and we must mention as well, though, Jack Matthews was a pretty good performance from him. He looked a lot better than he has recently. He does improvements that I thought would come, have kind of come. He's, his wrestling looked very good. He always looks phenomenal on the ground. He's found a way of striking now where he's, before he was kind of trying to set things up and throwing those big shots, but now he tries to kind of throws with power all the time. A little bit like Yoel Romero, but in, in a different sort of way, he loads up and he's, he, he, uh, we mentioned, I think, the last time you fought that cardio could be an issue with him, but I think going up to welterweight now i think this is his second fight back at welterweight and i think it's coming now he, he looked dead real tired and all at the end of that fight when it when it was over but i think he was still going pretty strong towards the second half of that third round and near the end of that fight uh, and i think he's really found a way now to fight and i think he's a force in, in or a good prospect anyway in, you know in that division in the welterweight division that's very very tough and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing where he goes like Li Zhang Yang. He's a good fighter, you know, if you, if you look at his skill set and the guys who he's fought and the guys who he's hanged there against and beat, you know, a lot of um, 
a lot of good, you know, good prospects amongst them. You know, um, the likes of, of of Diego Lima, he's beat, and a couple of more guys as well. So, you know, it's it was a pretty good win for uh, for Jack Matthews, and it's it's good to see him uh, finally kind of maybe not reaching his prime, but getting you know making those improvements that I thought would come. Yeah, yeah. He only <clears throat> he only fought about three months ago and won a split decision, and he looked much improved uh, since then. As you say, Lee is Lee is and uh, no joke. He's a good fighter. He's 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 definitely no uh, world beater or anything. But I think it, we were talking last week about James Vick and Kevin Lee fights for Jake Matthews being too soon, and that they needed to slow him down. I think it was it was a good opponent to see where where Jake Matthews is, and I think. I think he's going to earn a step up now. Maybe not up to the the James Vick, uh, Kevin Lee level, but uh, into the top the fifteen, or maybe just outside the top fifteen. He should he should get a pound around there next. And he, he's still very young, and he looks to be improving. As I said, only three months in between camps, and he seems to have made improvements. So that's a good sign. And uh, I, there was a lot of hype around this guy when he first came in. And I think sometimes, like even with like people like Max Holloway, when he came in, there was a lot of hype around him, and he kind of. The hype kind of got him into fights that he maybe shouldn't have been in too early, and uh, maybe like the Parier fight was obviously on short notice, and he lost that. But um, I think people can kind of write off these prospects a bit too early when when maybe they're they're put to the the top fifteen guys too early, and this is perfect. This is this is Jake Matthews now. He's had a win in front of his home crowd. Um, the crowd were really on his side. They always seem to they always seem to kind of. Uh, Obviously, they cheer all their guys, but they always they seem to like Jake Matthews more than others. Like I think Damian Brown was like trying to get the crowd up. He was like waving his hands, and the crowd were just kind of like, "Nah, we're we're all right." Mm-hmm. I think if, like you know, I think people see. I think th- there's a lot of expectation on Jake Matthews, and I think they can they can build him up into into fighting on like main events and co-main events in Australia if uh, if they give him the right matches. I think the same could probably be said about Tay Tuivasa. He seemed to get the crowd up uh, pretty well for him. What, what is he now? I think he's seven and zero after that win over over Alaska. Yeah, seven and zero. Oh no, he's nine and zero now. Nine and zero. Yeah. Really? Wikipedia says he's seven and zero. Oh, uh, Topology has him at nine and zero here. What would Topology know? What does Sherlock have him as? They, they know. Sherlock are the real boys. But anyway, yeah, but he he looks like a guy as well. I like that John Anik mentioned in the commentary that they asked him what his favorite uh, grappling position was, and he says the stand up. <laughs> That's the kind of fighter he is. Very good on his feet. He, he could take over the mantle kind of as the Mark Hunt as a big um, heavyweight in, in that in that area, you know. And his guys as well, like Mark Hunt. I think he trains with him. He trains with Soa Soa Two good heavyweights there for him to train with. So he's a guy that you know could make a lot of improvements in a in a pretty tough top heavy heavyweight division there's guys you know like Andrea Arlovsky Tim Johnson Junior Albini Shem, uh, Shamil Abda Rahi why do I even try <laughs> ranked in uh, ranked in uh, fuck I should be able to say that in heavyweight at the moment and uh, I think he could beat any of them to be honest and uh, I really think he's wanted to come him in in, in heavyweight and um, I think uh, I think he'd be ranked before very very often do you rate him yeah, he looks. He looks. Re- he looks uh, to be really good, but he's, he's still very young. He's what, twenty four years old. Maybe putting him in against guys like top ten might be a bit too quick. Like he's, his last three fights, he's beaten um, James McSweeney first round um, TKO in between rounds. Um, then he beat Rashad Coulter, who, who was eight and two at the time with a first round knee, and now he's beaten Cyril Asker, uh, another first round finish. So like he's going through these guys uh, with ease, but. Uh, it's a different, it's a different kettle of fish at the top of the heavyweight division than it is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but there is a couple of matchups in there, like you know, even like all the neckers, like Olowski's yeah. still banging around as well. People like Tim Johnson, I wouldn't mind seeing them, but but um, I don't think there's any rush with him since he's 24 as well. So uh, it might be another one that they can kind of build up his highlight reel and build up his uh, name value before before putting him in a big one. Heavyweights can go. They can kind of put them higher on cards, like co-main events and main events, quicker than than smaller fighters, and people will, will be interested. So, uh, we might see him go a bit quicker than Jake Matthews. Put him in there against Francis Ngannou immediately. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Francis needs to take a break, I think. Yeah, he does. Speaking of Francis Ngannou, uh, the only man he's the only man to beat the man in, who won the co-main event, Curtis Blades, who defeated Mark Hunt via unanimous decision. I think we call this pretty much as it happened last week on the podcast. Uh, Blades just a little bit too quick from a little bit too smart, got the takedowns, kept him down. Hunt couldn't really, had no real answer for him against the cage or, or, um, or on the ground. He, I think he did pretty well early, Hunt did, because Blades... Blades was coming in a little bit too much and he was leaving himself open. He was he was trying to be confident in his hands. You know, I think Jimmy Smith mentioned on commentary that he did the same against Irano uh, and, and maybe, it's, you know, he, he kept in there for a good bit of the fight. But against against Mark Hunt, he got decked again and I thought it might have been over at one stage, but he did well to survive. And it was actually, I think there was a second knockdown or the second time he hurt him anyway, Mark Hunt, where Blades got a, a good takedown and Mark Hunt was going in a little bit too much. And I think from that point on, Blades realized that he had kind of his number in, in the grappling exchange and he could get the takedowns when he wanted and he kept going to it. Uh, it was it was a smart display in the end, but at the start, I think it left a little bit be, to be desired because he was leaving himself open. He was going forward too much, being too confident in his hands, I think, and, and Hunt did counter him a couple of times. But that that's good as well to see someone like that who makes mistakes early and comes back to win the fight well in the end. Yeah, it was, it was a really good adjustment. It looked like he was on the verge of being knocked out. He'd been hit with a couple of big shots and Hunt was going in for the kill. And um, it, it looked like one more shot might do it. And he, he, he got the takedown. Mark Hunt's takedown defense isn't the best. And it looked it looked even sloppier than it has uh, recently in, in this fight. But maybe that's um, Curtis Blades' timing and uh, his relentlessness with it once he had been rocked in the first round. So great adjustment. And he, he, he put Mark Hunt where Mark Hunt didn't want to be. And... Mark Hunt's like you know he, if he's going to get up off his back, it's going to be an explosion. It's not really going to be all that technical, and he nearly he nearly rolled out at one stage, but Curtis Blades did well to to get back on top. And um, the first round was looking like it might go to a ten eight, but he didn't he did enough with the takedown and the damage on top to to make it a ten nine, and then he he won the second and third round, and it was a it was a very good adjustment to mid fight or mid round. Yeah, hard to see where Mark Hunt is gonna gonna go from here. Um... I think he's one fight left in his UFC contract. Someone reported recently, and, and the court did as well. Um, I, I don't think they're going to release him or anything. I think I think they like having Mark Hunt around, and I think if they could get him onto a new contract, they would as well. But you know, he's what is he right number uh, five? I think. Let me just yeah, number five at the moment. He's probably going to drop a couple of places down there. You know, mm. especially if if I know he beat Derek Lewis last time up, but if Derek Lewis was to win next week, um, Blades is number nine at the moment, so he probably you know he probably end up going above him. Mark Hunt pretty pretty soon could see himself outside the top ten and slipping further. Now, it's difficult to see where he goes. He's talked, as you said there, with the um, with the uh, with the lawsuits. He's talked about leaving the UFC, fighting his contract out. I could see him if he does have only one or two left, getting those fights pretty quickly and maybe making it over to Bellator before that heavyweight tournament ends. Yeah, it would be, it'd be interesting to see him in that heavyweight tournament. They could do with a couple of heavyweights in that heavyweight tournament, Bellator could. 
yeah, Hunt. Uh, he's very pissed off at the UFC last time. Last time I heard so. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's trying to get run down his contract and get get out of there. And I wouldn't be surprised if UFC gave him some kind of horrible matchup uh, to leave on if if he's if he's planning on leaving. Uh, they've done that in the past. Maybe give him give him a dominant wrestler or give him fancy. Yeah, they could do that. Like yeah, that'd be good fun though. Uh, and if he wins uh, that, then he's, if, if see the problem with that is if Hunt wins that, then he's in a great position. That's true. But I suppose, like, if, if you've already said no to the UFC, then better, like, the, the, when Jake Shields left uh, Strikeforce, he kind of made it too public that he wanted to leave, and Bellator ended up not offering him a contract, and then he had, kind of had to take the... We didn't have to, but he was left with a not as good a contract from the UFC if he had to play a bit better uh, the negotiations. So you don't want to overplay your hand either, uh, in the Hunt's case. It'd be interesting to see what happens. As you said, ideally, I'd say the UFC would want to re-sign him, but maybe the amount of hassle he's causing and... I think the UFC uh, does like the antitrust lo- lawsuit. They're 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 not, they're not as unhappy with uh, a few people leaving, going to to Bellator as they maybe were in the past, mm-hmm. in order to make it look like they're not a monopoly. Even though they're clearly not a monopoly, in my opinion, like because there's several promotions and Bellator are doing well and all that. But that's another point. But um, Mark Hunt, like he's he, what is he, thirteen and twelve or something like that now, and he, he's not he's getting no younger and. I can't see him signing on the cheap, so I think the most likely option probably is Bellator next. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably agree with that. I, I I could see the UFC offering him a new contract and keeping him around if he was to win maybe his next fight or whatever, but I think he wants out now, and I think he probably will get it. As for Razor Blades, it, it's onwards and upwards for him. You know, As, as I mentioned, ranked number nine now in the rankings. Uh, Derek Luce fighting next week against um, Marcin Tybura, I believe, the, and the winner of that looks like it makes sense. You know, Lewis Mar- ranked six, Tybura ranked eight. Do you so, think we talk about the rankings too much because they're, they're actually so shit? Like, yeah, but they are. <laughs> but like, it just shows who's kind of in the mix around there. Actually, at heavyweight, I don't think they're that bad. I just because there isn't really that there many isn't much choice. Yeah, heavyweight, fuck it up too bad. Of, like. Yeah, you can't really fuck it up too bad, you know. So yeah, I think that makes sense. But I think I really think he is one Although, of them. Overeem is two and Kane is four, which is a bit strange. Mm, well, that's what Kane hasn't fought in fucking... Kane shouldn't even be ranked now. Sure, when was the last time Kane fought? Kane was fought like once yeah, in the last three years. by Verdum, was that the last time? Yeah, he head kicked someone as well. Who did he head kick? Um, can't remember. God, he definitely head kicked someone. Let me look at the rankings. Type it in there, or am I? Let me see. Kane. I don't know. Should you move on there? I'll look it up. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think a lot of those those guys would be a, a good matchup for him next. Maybe even Kane, you know, Kane against Curtis Blades. That's not a bad comeback fight for Kane. You know, he he definitely needs a comeback fight, and I think he should be fighting on this card coming up with Stipe against DC. Oh, and, yeah, sorry, Travis Brown. That was a Travis, Travis Brown. Brown. Yeah, Travis Brown. Actually, Travis Brown this week has dropped out of the heavier rankings, apparently. So whether he's gone from the UFC or he's been cut or what, I, I'm not 100% sure. But He's going to turn up in WWE. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> fight Braun Strowman. Has, has Ronda been back yet? No, no, she hasn't been back yet. But there's only been one show since. But um, yeah. Right. Let's move on to the to the main event, and that saw Yoel Romero not win the interim UFC <laughs> title. Uh, as he missed weight, he weighed in at one hundred and seven point seven pounds against Luke Rockhold, who took who took another another hard beating. Um, let's talk about before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of the fight. What did you, what did you think about that? About missing weight, and yeah. I know we've you know we've talked about 
this whole well, recording thing to death. To my knowledge, he's never done it before. So maybe something went wrong along the way, or it, his body just reacted differently. But when you have two errors to go off and lose weight, and you, you come back what a point two or point three, it, maybe you just sweated out every bit of sweat you had. But it'd be a bit suspicious that you didn't you didn't manage to lose a bit more. Maybe he he didn't really care about the interim belt shocker, but uh, um. <laughs> It's like Rockhold kind of looked, he looked like he he really tried to get down there. He didn't look great on the scale. He he, he like if he had been able to keep a couple of pounds on, he probably would have he probably would have looked a lot better and felt a lot better. So there is an advantage there. Um, uh, what what percentage of his of his pay did he end up getting? Was it twenty thirty thirty percent thirty percent? Yeah, that's probably a sizable amount of cash. I'd say maybe Romero in the main event of a UFC. So maybe maybe that was the reason. Um, that was the main motivator behind Rocco taking the fight. Plus, obviously, he wants to position himself uh, for the the Rock the Whitaker fight. Mm-hmm. But but maybe like obviously in hindsight, you might say, oh, maybe you should have you should have said no. But obviously, Dana White and the UFC wouldn't react well to that. But I'd say I'd say um, it's hard to know what effect what effect it had in the fight, but it didn't seem to. But it's it's hard to know because it's it's. Huge, like cutting them extra, them last couple of pounds are obviously the, the hardest couple of pounds because you're the, the most high dehydrated. You just feel terrible. You you look terrible. You, you you're getting dizzy and all that stuff, and it's tough. Like and Rockhold did it, and Romero maybe did it or maybe didn't do it, or maybe maybe he did try his best, but who knows? And he hasn't failed. He hasn't failed to make weight before, so maybe you should get the benefit of the doubt here. But um. Yeah, this keep, seems to keep happening with interim belts. Like uh, something goes wrong, <laughs> the MMA gods are not happy when these uh, random interim belts show up. Yeah, it, it was funny actually. Like I was in, I was at the fights in Cage Legacy when all this whole uh, the wins and stuff was going down. And I was traveling home the next day, so I didn't really, I didn't really get time to kind of look into what had happened or anything or think about why he'd missed weight and all. And then I was watching the fights, and within about ten seconds, I was like, "Yoel Mira's injured, and that's why he missed weight." He like he looked. He didn't fight a little bit like he ever fights. You no, know, Yol Romero's always light on his feet, fight in in an explosive way like that. That's just the way he fights. He, he hops around, and that's why people talk about him struggling with um with cardio and everything like that, and how why people think that that might play against him come later in fights. But he, he did not fight that way at all. He was st- stood as Conor McGregor says, stuck in the mud. He was not moving his feet, standing in the pocket, going forward a little bit, trying, you know, trying to push uh, Romero, uh, Rockhold back. But he, that wasn't Yoel Romero that we normally see. And I, I, I haven't heard anything afterwards because uh, he didn't show up to the uh, press conference. He came out limping afterwards. And I think that's Luke Rockhold kind of with a lot of kicks and stuff as well. But um, I, I'd be very surprised if, if something didn't come out about Yoel Romero being injured before that fight. To me, from literally 10 seconds in, I'm like, Yoel Romero is injured. And mm. like that, I think that, could be the reason why he missed weight, uh, but yeah, look, still no no excuse. He missed weight, and uh, for Luke Rockhold, you had to take that fight. You're getting an extra thirty percent pay, and you're getting um, you, you're getting the chance to win the interim belt. You 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 know you have to go for that. You ha- you have yeah, to take that fight. Might, might be getting pay per view points as well, depending on what's going what's going on in his contract. He's been a champion before, so he might have a pay per view <laughs> pay per view points contract. Um, maybe uh, I'm just thinking about this now. When you said that, um. I was like kind of thinking at the time, uh, Rockhold is throwing a lot of leg kicks. He doesn't usually do this. Maybe he knew there was, yeah. if there was something wrong with Yoel. Maybe he noticed him limping around, or maybe he caught his camp caught, caught word of it. Or because like, he, he did seem to fire yeah. a few leg kicks early. 
And he usually, well, yeah. I have to go back and look at the time, I think, and he doesn't usually attack the legs as heavily early. It, like, he, I'm sure he had his, his prep work done on Yoel Romero and he knows how he fights. Like, if I could see it after like 10 seconds, I'm sure he could see it. Uh, you know, he knows a lot more about fighting than me. Mm. But he, that, that Romero, can throw you off as well, though. You're, you're planning for eight weeks to, to fight a guy who's constantly moving, and then all of a sudden he's standing in front of you trying to catch and deflect all your punches, which, which was at the time I was like, well, why, is, why is Romero fighting like this? Kind of like you're saying, he didn't fight like Romero. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but may- maybe maybe the style threw him off. Although the, although Rockhold, I thought won the first round, lost the second, and was winning the third up until the end. But it's it's all well and good. Like you know, it's a five round, twenty five minute fight, so it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I think it shows as well that championship mentality. He shows that he is a top top fighter. I say it a lot. With, you know, guys like Fly Mayweather in boxing and Anderson Silva and you know McGregor has done it John Jones has done it come back from adversity to win or find a way to win like Jones had his arm ripped off by Vitor Belter he came back found a way to win Anderson Silva lost four rounds uh, against uh, Chelson and came back found a way to win McGregor against Mendez you know GSP against Carlos Condit all the best guys they always do it and I think that is a mark of a champion it's you all mirror on this i showed him you know he wasn't struggling as bad as any of those in the actual fight itself but the, he was i'd be very surprised if he wasn't injured before he came into that fight and to, to come through that it was it was really really good but as you said there the first round it was pretty much as, as you call it, Luke Luke Rockhold throwing leg kicks, throwing jabs, not much coming from Yoel Romero. He was biding his time, not moving that much. It was kind of a sitting duck from for uh, Luke Rockhold. And I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, this fight is only going one way. But in the second, Yoel came out and, and they kind of said it to him in his corner, you, you can't keep going that way. You have to come out hard. And he did come out hard. He nearly got the... You know, well, it's not that he nearly got the finish, but he nearly mm. landed a lot of big shots. I, yeah, I don't think he, uh, looking back at it, I don't think he actually landed anything that clean but it was they were clipping them and they were they were clearly mm-hmm. uh, disturbing rock all he kind of got caught up against the cage which is which is a dangerous place to be against somebody who, who hits as hard and is as quick as yo romero um yeah but yeah i think i think he he definitely won the round but i think maybe uh, the commentators and the crowd went a bit went a bit mad and maybe people thought that uh rock all is in a bit more trouble in the second round than he actually was yeah, I, th- I thought it took around a, a round and a half for Luke Rockhold to adjust to how Joel Romero was fighting and to really come into his own because he started fighting very well because I mentioned it last week. I thought this might be the best fight in the world because I thought both of them would be backing up. But when Joel Romero didn't do that, it it put Luke Rockhold out of his game a little bit because Joel started jabbing him and, and everything like that. And he he was expecting Joel, uh, Joel to stay kind of on the back foot and then from for him to maybe dodge his advantage when he when he came in and then maybe counter him or go for takedowns or you know things like that land from range because Luke Rockhold is a bigger taller guy lands a lot of head kicks and stuff like that but when Yoel started jabbing with him he was kind of forced to jab back and he was winning that battle as you said you know coming into the third but through the second uh, as well I thought in the second round a big big issue for Luke Rockhold and a big part of the reason why he didn't win this fight is he didn't attack Yoel enough when Yoel was resting. You know, Yoel goes, he goes hard for 10, 15 seconds and then he stops and he doesn't do anything for maybe two minutes and then he goes hard again. Luke Rockhold wasn't attacking him enough. All he was doing was playing with his jab, wasn't going for it. Like, I, I think you have to do that. You, Yoel isn't going to sprint for 20 seconds and stop for 20 seconds and sprint for another 20 seconds. Or if he does, it's going to be rare enough. And I think you have to make him pay for those times when he's resting. You know, 
I, I really think you have to do that. He's reloading all that time when he's resting, and you have to take advantage of him there, or else you're gonna you're just waiting for the next um for the next wave of it to come. And I know that's tough because maybe the wave will come when you decide to go, and that maybe in the end that's why it kind of happened. But it's going to come either way. You might as well go out and try to take that fight, uh, or go out and just take that fight rather than waiting for him to come and take it from you so uh, i think luke rockhold could have done a little bit more there um in the third though luke did start to up the pace a little bit and he 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 left himself a little bit more open which you know you know you live by the sword you die by the sword Yoel missed a big shot to, to he you know he could have knocked him out with a big open shot he missed it and then he came with that double jab overhand left and really really fucking just Put he put his absolute lights out, and it was it was kind of weird. Second that shot was it, it even was, bigger. It was yeah, it was insane. Snapped yeah. his head back fully. Yeah, and it was I, I think. Uh, what do you, do you think Rockhold, if he if he knew beforehand or realized during the fight that Romero's leg was injured, if it was, if let's say it was his leg, mm, think he should have tried and mixed in some takedown attempts. Yeah, he could have. I, I was actually thinking that as I was watching the fight. You need to mix in some take on things because you well. He's so good on top as well, but, uh, Rockhold. When he gets on top, it's yeah. like nobody's been able to get out. He just moves the mountain, just takes it from there. Like look at what he did to Weidman. Yeah, I, I think he didn't know beforehand because it took him that time to adjust. You know, if he had known beforehand, and if those leg kicks had come immediately, maybe you know, and he he would have thrown him with more of a not more of a purpose, but more of a purpose behind his game planning. Like he saw all oh, these leg kicks are up, and so I'm going to throw him rather mm. than coming in saying I'm going to throw these leg kicks, and this is how I'm going to win the fight. You know, kind of like McGregor did against um against Diaz. That was a game plan from the off. I don't think that was the way from him because it took him time to adjust to that game plan for a round and a half. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think that the amount of the amount of leg kicks rock all true, but maybe it was just he actually checked a couple as well, Romero, and cut and cut uh, Rocco's mm-hmm. leg, but Rocco was was still stuck to them. So he he realized they were working in the fight anyway, at the very least, and it was it was a good ploy to go to them. But he kind of got away from them then in the in the second and third rounds. He didn't he didn't uh, he didn't throw or land as many. So maybe that was part partly because Yo was checking them and. Rockhold was eating a few kicks himself, so maybe maybe he his his leg was sore as well, or maybe maybe he just got more comfortable in the fight and thought thought he could do it with his hands, and it just didn't work out. Obviously, when you lose, it's, it's easy to pick holes in what you did for the the previous couple of rounds. But uh, he he was he looked like he was he he was he was definitely well in the fight anyway, and he probably thought that that he was on his way to uh, cruising cruising to to. To a, not a not a dominant win, but a decision win. He probably, he probably was happy enough to take that. He knows how dangerous Romero is, and mm-hmm. he'd felt a bit of his power in the second round as well. Like and them half shots that kind of clipped him and kind of roughed him up a bit or scuffed his above his eye, cut him a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to rag on his game plan when it, it, it was going pretty well, but um, when when you end up losing, it's it's, it's obviously easy to say, oh, you should have done this, you should have should have done that. Yeah, yeah, I I'd agree with that. I, I just apart from uh, those those bits where Yoel was resting, I think it was I think it was a pretty good game plan. Other than that, but I think you really have to give a huge amount of credit to Yoel Romero because look look at where he beat Luke Rockhold. He beat him at the jabbing game and kind of at close quarters with strikes. Like, what is Luke Rockhold? Luke Rockhold's a long guy that uses his reach really well, and he's good at, like, hand fighting, coming in, landing those quick um, quick counter left hooks. His left hook is what he's known for, you know, and his left high kick. That's what he's known for. And Luke Rockhold beat him, or uh, you remember, sorry, beat him with a, a left hook or left over the top, and he beat him with a double jab, you know, from range. 
that that that's some achievement to do that for a guy who's you know is an Olympic wrestler. For, for his striking to improve that much and for him to be that high level there is really, really good. Now, Luke Rockhold, that, that first shot, I don't think it would have knocked anyone in the world down or out. Maybe down, but not out. But that second shot definitely would have. I, I, I don't think he has as an iron a chin as, as some of the guys in that division, you know, like a, or, or even, you know, other guys in, in other divisions like, like the Diaz or like in Anderson Silva back in the day. I know that quickly went and, and things like that. But, that I think that chain is is an issue with him, and we only it only gets exposed like a lot of things only get exposed when you fight the absolute best in the world. Uh, and it well maybe people say he oh, he got knocked up by Michael Bisping, but you know Bisping was a champion as well in, in fairness. But I I really do think that will keep that's going to be something that holds him back an an awful lot. And what I think he needs to do is find a way to fight kind of like Alistair Overeem, where all not all you're thinking of, but you fight in a way that suits you that you can protect your chin in. And I think he can do that because I think he has the tools. As head I said, movement. long yeah. Way more head movement. But you you definitely do that. But I think he he's good enough at fighting from long range that he, it's his footwork more than any. If he can stay in long range, use those kicks, you use the jam and come out quick. Like you, you he shouldn't have been there long enough for Yoel Romero to be able to double jab it and then hit him with the left hand. You know, if you get in that position, you're already done when you've uh, when you've a chin like his, when you, when, when you get knocked out like that. You can't stay there. And he was standing in the one place for three shots. That That's just, you can't do that at that level against Yoel Romero. And when you have a chin like that, you know, if if you're if you're a Vitor Belfort back in the day, maybe you could, or if you're a, a Darren Elkins now or something, you can do that. Or if you're someone who wants to counter and get into that position, yeah, but when you're Luke Rock, Yeah, exactly. When, yeah, when you're Luke Rockhold, you can't do that. Yeah, well, like, I, I don't think his chin, obviously, it's definitely not one of the best chins in the division or anything like that, but I think it is a bit, like, obviously, he just got knocked out in this fight, but I think it's a bit overstated how bad his chin is, but, uh, like, it's not a, like, people are saying it's a fatal flaw. I don't think it is. I think, like you're saying, like, a bit more intelligence in, in terms of protecting your head, maybe, like, over him, or maybe, like, with a lot of head movement or just not standing in the same place as you said, not getting caught against the cage, just little, little basic little errors like that at the top level against a guy like Yo Romero, who's like a super athlete and even, even, uh, he doesn't even rely on his wrestling really at all in most of his fights when he's one of the best wrestler credential wise in the UFC. So this guy's an all rounder. And when you make mistakes like that against, against a guy like that, even if he is a bit, uh, limping a bit or whatever it has some kind of injury in his leg he's still he's still able to um explode with a lot of power and you get caught against a cage standing still that that's going to happen like well the opportunity is there for it to happen and somebody like yo romero will, will take that chance more often than he won't yeah it's funny like because i said what luke rock all needs to get better at but he's already good at those things like he's already good at fighting from linda from 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 long range and moving his feet and getting away from it uh, and getting you know getting away from those big shots he's already good at those things he did it well uh, on saturday night but he's to, i think he's to be a bit just a bit more careful if he wants to be guys like you Romero. but uh fair, fair play to you well what, what do you think is next for him? Do you think he's going to get that rematch with... Well, with it depends on Wigger, really, doesn't it? Uh, mm. How bad is his staff? Like, we were hearing he was in serious condition and all that, all this stuff a few weeks ago. So I don't know. Like, they said, oh, he's under, on the mend, but I, I don't know how bad it actually is and how long it's going to take him to come back. But um, uh, there's no, there's no like... There's no fighter that in the wings being like, oh, this guy deserves to fight Yo Romero. Like, Yo Romero's kind of... You know, he's already beaten Weidman. 
as long as long as as long as Whitaker is not going to be out for another six or seven months, then I think that's the fight to make. Yeah, I, I... He, he did just fight for the interim belt and <clears throat> not make weight, which the UFC might be like, well, he didn't make weight. We don't want this happening again. But it is the mm-hmm. first time in his career, I believe. So maybe it isn't a pattern yet. It's just a mistake. So maybe maybe they'll go with that. I think that's probably the most likely. I wouldn't mind, to be honest, seeing um, Kelvin Gastelum against Joel Romero next if Robert Whitaker isn't isn't able to come back quick enough. I think Gastelum has had a, had a few good wins now. I obviously beat Bisping as well in in his last fight. I wouldn't mind seeing that. As you said, you know, Rockall or, or Romero, sorry, has lost to so many of those guys around there. Like, or, or sorry, um. Jack Reyes, I, I was talking about who we were talking about last week or the week before. He's, you know, he's lost to, to Romero and and Whitaker and Rockhold, and like the Rockhold one was a while ago now. Friends. It was a while ago, but if you're putting him back in there now against Romero, the fall already was kind of a drab fight. You know, he's kind of the one with there with as I was mentioning with Gaslam. You, you know, he's ranked above Gaslam. Are you putting him in there? against Romero to get towards the title shot at this stage. I'm not sure. And that's why I think Gaslam might be um might be the one next for Romero if Robert Whitaker's back. Although Whitaker was there walking around and stuff at the weekend. He looked he looked okay. It's tough to know I suppose from that. But you know Dana White was kind of saying that as if he was fucking MRSA and dying in the in the hospital and stuff. So I, I don't know. Hopefully he'll be back soon and we can get this Dana, resolved. But I don't think there's even any assurities that you that Yoel gets the uh, the title shot. Now, could he could bypass him for Gaslam, especially if Gaslam goes in there and gets another fight? Maybe you know Gaslam might get Jack or uh, someone someone else like that, and, and maybe gazump him to get it. And has, has Wonder Boy got a fight yet? He should just move to middleweight because yeah. as long as Tyrone Woodley's uh, welterweight champion, it's just that's not going to happen again. Uh, it's happened twice. Okay, he only lost one of them, and the other one was a draw. But they weren't like people didn't like the fights, especially the second fight. He has a win over Robert Whitaker, a spectacular win over Robert Whitaker. Um, Whitaker is going to be running out of if he if he can win his next couple, he's going to be running out of opponents pretty quick. And I'd fancy Wonder Boy against somebody like Gaslam that we're talking about there. So yeah, and Chris Weidman is injured as well. See, I believe the problem, a, the problem with that is yeah, he's very good friends with Chris Weidman. Maybe that's the reason why he wouldn't go to middleweight. But for his own career, he probably should. Yeah, he probably, yeah, he probably should. And I think like that Gaslam fight against Wonderboy, if he was to move up, would make perfect sense as well. I think you know, two, two, uh, two kind of welterweights. Even Yoel Romero against Wonderboy, I'd watch that. Like Wonderboy is not a small welterweight. Like he's a, I know he's a slender guy and all like that, but he's a tall, tall guy. He cuts a good bit of weight to get down. Compared to Romero, though, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be the same size. But compared to like people like Gaslam, he's probably bigger. Gaslam just has a problem, (laughs) to be honest. Mm for the 187 pound championship of the world I mean, let's make it happen the interim, happen. The interim 187 yeah the interim back to the drawing board for the a random interim title at welterweight or something and make it a they super should, fight yeah. they should yeah, <laughs> they actually should they should uh, Luke Rockhold tough to know what's going to be next for him you know he'll need a lot of time to recover from that knockout again I think so I don't think there's anything any point talking about the future for him now because that middleweight division in 7 or 8 months could be a a lot around. There's still a lot of good fights for him. You know, there's rematches there with Jacare, as you mentioned there, it was a long time ago in a close fight. Kel- Chris Weidman as well, I'm sure, would love to get that fight back uh, against Luke Rockhold. So there's, there's still plenty of life for him, but, you know... Uh, if, he wanted a, if, he wa- if he wanted a uh, Bisbing as well, they could probably make that happen. They, they, yeah, they could, I suppose, but I think Bisping won't be... Well, ah, I know, retirement. <laughs> <but, okay, laughs> Bisping's going to be around for years. years 
<laughs> yeah, I only got halfway through that sentence for no, that was that was bullshit. Uh all right, let's let's move on. Um and let's talk about the Irish MMA scene this week before we get to the, the UFC card. Um uh, next week Mr. Irish MMA Irish that's what they call me i know but <laughs> let's get to the let's get to the serious matter matter first um obviously the, the Jacques carvalho um uh, court case was up this week the inquest into his his death obviously when he fought charlie ward back in april 2016 um the, the inquest uh, returned a verdict uh, of misadventure um and i'll just read this out here the legal definition of misadventure is an unintentional accident without any violation of law or criminal negligence negligence uh, and then i said the, the inquest has also re- uh, recommended the endorsement of a governing body for mixed martial arts in ireland so basically you know i i think that's what most people were kind of expecting you know it, basically you know an unintentional accident like i kind of think that really says it all you know we, we did a, a big podcast about it on myself andrew and pt where you know we talked about kind of what had happened and i think pt did great reporting on it for severe MMA at the time uh with uh with the um you know what happened backstage and obviously joe uh collapsed backstage and was taken away in an ambulance to the, to the hospital and, and died a couple of weeks later um you know obviously still still very sad but the inquests i think most people were kind of yeah, I'd say myself and you included were kind of, um, uh, you know, kind of expecting this to be the the end of it. Well, obviously, we weren't there to hear all the all the evidence or anything like that. But from the from what we have heard, it did. It, I think that was the right decision. I think, as you said, it was the expected decision. But you never know with these things, and there is a lot of anti MMA stuff going around. So you you wouldn't be you you wouldn't have been too sure before that that this was going to be the the outcome. But I think this is the most likely outcome. Um. I think um, the what, what's his name Shane Ross, the the minister Shane for was it minister for tourism, sports, and something else. He's uh, yeah. he made some comments yeah. saying that the, the association were dragging their feet, but it's actually that like he obviously isn't paying attention to the scene because the all the top clubs and nearly all the clubs in the country won't get, let their fighters fight on a show that doesn't have all these regulations uh, in place, like a trauma room doctors ambulances all this stuff all the new stuff that uh the imma brought in after carvalho's death so i think that was a bit of a he probably just wasn't included in the situation and if, if he is included in the situation he shouldn't be making uh, comments like that but i think that's a bit of the the anti-mma kind of um bias in 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 some people they, they just don't like or understand the sport so they just think it's they, they just don't like it so they just come out with stuff like this but I think it's worse than that, to be honest. I thought it was one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard in my life. Shane Ross came out and was saying things like that. Like, with the changes that have been made to the MMA scene in Ireland, and he says that at the inquest of a guy who died fighting in MMA. Like, this this isn't just a political standpoint or something. This is, you know, someone actually died and changes had to be made and the changes were made. You know, and he's coming out and acting like no changes were made. And he's blaming the people who've made the changes for changes not being made. When he is the one to blame for all, any dragging of the feet that has been happening. Him and Sport Ireland and the government exclusively. It's not, you know, if it was the IWMWA, we'd be on here saying it. You know, and PT be writing articles, we'd, we'd have stuff up yeah. in severe in May. If it was, and we, you know, we've talked about it before and we've talked about things they had to do. And uh, no, but literally nobody in the world has talked about it more than, than what we have on severe in May. But this is totally different. You know, I was at the event 
on Friday night and I saw it, you know, the, the, and I've seen it before. You, you've seen it loads of events since then. The, the, every fighter that was there was taken away, taken to the medical room afterwards, examined. One, a guy got choked out on the card. Immediately, the medics were into the into the cage to look at him. He was fine within about 30 seconds. Perfect back on his feet. You know, he was there to have his hand raised and everything. They were there checking all the guys going into the cage. All of them had the proper gloves. All of them had the footwear that were needed. All the, you know, the referee, the judges were there for the whole night. Where was Shane Ross? That's what I want to know. Like, I, I was looking for him there. I, I couldn't see him. You know, has Shane Ross been ever to been to an MMA event to see that to see for himself if, if they're dragging their feet? Like, even even, even yeah. if he had gone on to Severe MMA and any any of the websites covering this, he would have seen that the, from what is it? What's this from? This is from May 2016. The IMAA, they were called the IAPA at the time, they changed their name to the, the IMM. AA since but they were talking about how they they've started the recognition process of establishing the national government body and the statement goes through why they have to they can't implement it straight away and basically the legal legal hoops they have to jump jump through first and this guy should know that like you know he mm-hmm. should know that it's not as simple as just oh we want the body you need three years of financial records you need three years of of showing that you're that you're responsible and that you know what you're doing and that you're capable of doing this before the government will recognize you so a, a, a quick a quick two minute search uh, never mind being at a show or two w- would have been sufficient in order to not make such a such an uh, uninformed uh, comment yeah if it was like if it was in another avenue of the government and he had made uh, he, he's a complete lie like that then that's what it is if he had done that about something else then people would be calling for his head people would be calling for him to quit you know that that's the fact of the matter it's just people don't as you said people don't care about him people don't know about him they don't know the solution and a lot of people might have heard what he said and believed him when it is complete and utter lies he is the only one holding up and the government you know it's it's the three year you need to be a taxpayer for three years did the, the IWMWA they have to put tax tax records for three years financial before, records as well yeah, yeah exactly before they can they can become recognised by Sport Ireland as a sport what are they supposed to do you know build a time machine and go forward three years that's well in fairness like they didn't they didn't yeah. they didn't put any effort into building a time machine so maybe he's right <laughs> exactly yeah but that that's the kind of foolishness that he's talking about like if they want to bypass that fair enough but he's the one that has to do that sport ireland have to do that the government have to do that uh, you know john cavanagh dino way those guys they can't do it you know they're doing what they can they're showing up to all these shows not yeah. letting shows go through you know pulling out fights if, if they don't they're have doing all this off their own back as well there's no money being given by the government there's like this is all off their own back as well so they should show a bit of bit of respect at the very least a bit of common decency not to be making in uh, ill-informed comments that are putting down the efforts that have been going on for for years now yeah it was i, I thought it was absolutely disgraceful and uh yeah it's, it's, it's just it's just typical typical politicians are really isn't it it really is yeah it really is but look it's you know the, the death of jar cavalier was obviously very sad but the outcome that's come from it and made made irish mma a safer better place it really did and um you know it's if that one good thing has come from it that you know that's a good thing to to remember jar cavalier by that you know that uh, that that has actually happened so it's you know it's a pity shane ross and, and 
people who are given, you know, a, a platform like that to express their views wouldn't come out with absolute complete lies. And uh, I think uh, fair play to John Kavanagh and the guys at the IWMWA and I, I believe the IMMAF as well send out a press release, you know, totally refuting those claims. And I think they did it pretty quickly and they needed to do it as well. And, and fair play to them for doing that. You know, and they certainly weren't dragging their heels in. So, um, you know, yeah, I think Shane Ross needs to... Uh, to look up the facts before he speaks again on, on those kind of situations. But, um, right, let's move on to, you know, the, the situation on Friday night below in, in Cork at, um, at Cage Legacy. It was a very, very good cardigan, very long. That was the only thing, only negative, <laughs> negative thing I'd say about it. I think there was 19 fights between MMA and, and, uh, footboxing K1, uh, and it went down to about quarter to one, which was a bit late. I, I love if they put the the, K, the K1 fights beforehand and then start the MMA at that time, maybe finish it up about 11 o'clock or half 10 or something. But uh, that's obviously something they can work with. There's a lot of a lot of good guys, you know, uh, on this card. Jack McGuire was a fantastic fighter, I thought, against Alexander O'Sullivan, who's a CMAC guy and, and a very, uh, very good athlete. And uh, Jack McGuire won that. I was very, very impressed with him. Um John Mitchell as well from Cork, another very good, uh, very good fighter. Adam Novak uh, against uh, Ivan Blanchett was in a very high level fight as well. I was very impressed with that, and a lot of a lot of other guys as well in the car. Ryan Scully, Jack Mallon got wins there. Uh, Ryan O'Connor got a, a very odd submission with he, with he, an ankle lock with his feet. I was talking to Padraig Hannon who lost that fight, his coach, and uh, he told me he was he was on one of the Wimta Warrior guys. And uh, he's only been training for about a year, so you can understand. You know, he's he's still very much a beginner, and these were obviously all amateur fights as well. But I thought the um, I thought the the quality and the standard was very good. Jar Harris was another guy as well who trains with Owen Roddy's gym. I was talking to Dave Fogarty about him, and he's a he's a very very good good prospect. Uh, Dave Fogarty was telling me he's one of the hardest hitters um, in the gym, and he got a, a brilliant guillotine uh, in that fight. He put his put his opponent to sleep, so that was very good. Aaron Daniels, uh, I mentioned from. Um, from SPG and uh, a, lot, a lot of other good guys uh, and ladies on that card as well. I was very, very impressed with the, with the, with the standard of that one. And uh, I was talking to uh, the promoter last night, he told me there were 600 people in the venue and they couldn't fit everyone in. They wouldn't let anyone else in because of that, because of whatever fires, uh, fire and health and safety and stuff like that. And uh, I think they probably could have put a couple more hundred in because the place was absolutely well, and they couldn't put them in, but if they had room to put them in, they could have put them in. I said the place was absolutely packed, and it was. Uh, it's good to see, you know. There's there's MMA outside of Dublin as well. Yeah, yeah. If, usually the the hub is Dublin or, or Belfast, but the 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 cards seem to be getting spread around a bit more now these days, which is obviously good for for everybody outside of Dublin and outside of Belfast. Um, um, Alexander O'Sullivan, Jack McGuire is, is is two very experienced guys at amateur in, in the main event. Uh, that's a good main event. Like uh, maybe people scoff at amateurs, but these guys like have as much experience and are as, are as good as a lot of a lot of young pros. So uh, we'll probably see both of them turn pro in the future as well. So it's always good to to follow these guys' careers and watch them all progress through amateur and being young professionals, and then. Uh, just watch watching their whole careers develop it's it's it's, it's always uh it's always interesting and you kind of you kind of um at amateur you can kind of get to see these guys when, when there's a show every month maybe or every two months you might see these guys every couple of months because they're only three three minute rounds and um at amateur and people aren't as worried about their records it's more about uh getting the experience and fixing holes in your games and stuff so um if you've never been to a to an amateur mma show uh i wouldn't scoff at it i recommend going down the level is very high like people people like um 
like James Gallagher and Dylan Chuke and Huey O'Rourke and all these guys. It, it, like it's just interesting watching them, watching them evolve and improve their games, and maybe some of them don't turn out to be as good as you think, and others turn out to be better. It's, it's just it, it's well worth it. if you've never been to a local small show with 600, 800 people in, in Ireland. I'd recommend going to the next one. It's actually great atmosphere, as you say, and mm-hmm. there's uh, friends and family there. Make it make it loud, and it's it's always it's always good crack. Yeah, I, I was especially you know especially. Um excited and, and, and about seeing jack mcguire you know i think he he could be one of the next big irish pros if he you know if he turns pro i think he's really good here you know, he's alexander Sullivan has mentioned he's a very good athlete and all and i think he, he's just his game planning his smartness and he's had a lot of fights as well uh, noel read out his record for it's something like i think he's like something like 16 or 15 amateur fights something like that um and you know that's invaluable experience. He looks like a guy who's a four and five and all pro, you know, something like that. I was very, very impressed with him. And Alex O'Sullivan's a very good fighter as well. I think he'll definitely come good, you know, you know, in the future as well. But very impressed with him. And I think you know he could be one of those guys, uh, you know, from down the country that's gonna gonna get into the one of those the big organizations that his brothers and stuff is is doing well as well. So um, yeah, I think it's it was a, a good night for uh, definitely for him. And, and you know, it's it's funny though because Balone. Long crack, you know, a lot of them, you know, you mightn't have that many fans turning up there who are kind of casual fans. Like most of the people, I was talking to Andrew McGahan about it actually yesterday. Like most of the people who turn up there are people who train with them or friends and family and stuff. And it's a very, it's a very odd atmosphere and not in a bad way, in a very good way because it's, it's not, you know, it's, there's no casuals there really. And it's, it's very, it, it's, it's kind of cool to see, you know, that there's that much of a, not a fan base but a base of mma and it's it's pretty strong you know people might might look and at ireland and and mma and see oh this is conor mcgregor and everything is built from that but it really isn't you know did these guys a lot of them were there and their trainers especially they were there a long time before conor mcgregor and and will be there a long time after he's gone as well and and that's a good thing for ireland to have such a a strong base like that and it's obviously it's in in dublin and stuff and in belfast and uh, galway as well i think the shaolin guys were from galway they were over for that as well and i'm impressed with a lot of those guys as well but uh yeah it's good to see that uh irish mma is strong and there's a, a good healthy base there uh going forward yeah um, i think it took a bit of time after carvalho's death for, for yeah. shows because it's more expensive now with with all the extra extra medics and all that all the extra the trauma room the extra doctors the ambulance all that all that stuff is required or or the fighter the fighters from the top gyms or nearly all the gyms in the country won't or the the coaches won't let the fighters on the card so it took a while to kind of get going again after that, but it seems to be in, uh, back into a healthy position now, and it's it's good to see uh, uh, stacked amateur cards again. Maybe maybe as you said, nineteen fights is a bit too is a bit too many, but um, I think I think um, I think maybe I'm not a fan of the 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 K one submission bouts being on the cards, but it's it's a it's a ticket selling thing probably as well on top of that, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of there's plenty of uh, MMA fights on. Maybe maybe as you said, they should put on the the, the K1 fights before or or after, and kind of so people who are only interested in the MMA can can leave, or you can let more people in. Then if there's 200 people outside and 200 mm-hmm. people have left, maybe maybe their family of a guy who fought first or second has left, and five or six of his mates, and you can let 10 people in or whatever. You know you know what I mean. So that could be an idea as well. But um, yeah, it's 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 uh, obviously you were there and and. It's probably your first all amateur show, is it? Uh, was the last cage I could see all amateur? No, I think there was a couple of one or two 
um probable but yeah it was i yeah. think it was the first all amateur yeah yeah so like you know this just the standard is very high and these guys if they weren't wearing the, the rash guards and the shin guards that that the the im i double m a double a fuck the im the immm a a yeah yeah that they implemented that that's how you know they're different fighters but their their fighting ability a lot of these guys especially at the top of the cards people like mitchell and uh o'sullivan are, are basically at the level of most young pros. So, yeah, I'm there for the next one, lads. I, I think the rash guards are, I know why they do them because they want to make them look different from pro fighters, but I think they're the worst idea. They, I, I hate them because they make it's a totally different fight, rash guards, because you can't slip out. You know, the slipperiness just goes from you, the scrambles just aren't the same as they are in pros. And that was a re- that's a really big thing you get from watching amateur MMA over here. And, I think that's something that obviously I know why they're doing it and they can change it, but I'd love if that's one change I could. But also a great thing about going to uh, fights with a lot of amateur guys and, and girls on it is that when they go pro and they start going big, you can say you saw them when they were an amateur and all. So that's that's great. You can be Speak, a hipster, basically. Speaking of which, James Gallagher. You can be a hipster for 20 quid. <laughs> then you go to Cork and you become <laughs> an instant hipster. James Gallagher the fight announced a guy who I actually saw fighting amateur. Uh, did, <laughs> did he, he, um, he's he headlining this, Pest, this card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's headlining this card against uh, Adam Boric over in is it Budapest, Budapest, yeah. Hungary. Coming up here in April 2017. So it's good to see James back. Uh, April sixth. It's good to see James back. Obviously after uh, after injury. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a main event, which is good. It's it's uh, he's going into hostile territory into into Budapest, Hungary, where this guy is, is from. So, um, fair play to James for that. A lot a lot of people he probably could have could have asked not to if he wanted to, and maybe a lot of people would have. But uh, um, this guy he made his uh, Bellator debut. What was it? April last year against Anthony Taylor, who who also fought James Gallagher in Dublin, and he choked uh, Taylor in the first round. So the common opponent they both have is uh, they both submitted. And then, if you look down his record, he, before that he fought a guy who was seven and three. Before that, seven and seven. Before that, a guy two and five. And then before that, three and three. Before that, eight and one. So it's been like you know a couple of guys that experience mixing there with a, with a couple of guys you'd expect guys to be fighting early on in their career. Ten and zero is definitely not, nothing to be nothing to be sniffed at. Like uh, undefeated undefeated fighters have a kind of um, sometimes have a bit of extra confidence to them as well and. Being, being at home in his hometown, well, he'll obviously he'll have a lot of support as well. So uh, James is probably used to being the the, the crowd favorite, and that'll be a bit of a different a different situation for him. But uh, um, you, you, like I haven't seen much of this guy, but like um, James looked fantastic in his uh, his last fight uh, back in May uh, 2017 against Chinzo Machida. He looked great in the feed. He closed the distance well. I got the takedown and got the slightly modified rear naked choke with, with ease. And the, the Medvedovsky fight before that, he, it was very similar to the, the Machida fight. So he's really coming to his own since uh, making his Bellator debut back back in 2016. So this is yeah, this is a good fight. I think the undefeated angle will will, will play to the the casual fans as well a little bit. Um, People know people know James True Connor and maybe they don't like James or they do like James, but they might tune in to hoping he'll lose or ho- hoping he'll win, but they'll tune in. So uh, if they can find the stream, yeah, if they can find the stream where they have the the Bellator app, mm-hmm. it's still going on the Bellator app, is it? Yeah, but it's it's only the undercard in the Bellator app, isn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I always fly over just to watch them. Uh, yeah, the you know, Iowa. We get their private jet. Have you the ticket for jet for the Mine Iowa? The the David Busters for us to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, I might see Michael Chandler and David Busters. 
<laughs> himself and Ryan Bader in there playing ski ball. Like, oh, it's something. Michael Chandler. It's like, where's Michael Chandler? It's Michael Chandler. Nobody knows who Michael Chandler is. Not even us. Uh, <laughs> right. Let's let's move on. Uh, yeah, obviously, we're looking forward to that James Garner fight. We'll talk about it when it, when it comes closer. Uh, next week's UFC card is, hold on, let me, let me look. Where is it? It's in uh, Texas. Texas, Austin, Texas. And there's a man with a cowboy hat fighting in the main event, which should be play very well into the the Texans' hands. And yeah. he's, fighting, he's fighting against a foreigner, so they should even like it more. Oh, no, he's not a foreigner, is he? Where is he from? <laughs> he's American, he isn't from? he? Oh, he's from Holland. Ah, oh, fucking hell. I, 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 yeah, who's the other guy? Yancy Madeira. No, John Lineker. I used to always think John Lineker was American for years. And I was like, why do I keep thinking name, that? Like, he's obviously not American. That's his name, his name yeah. Yeah. And I always think Yancy Mineras is Brazilian. Always. I always get them mixed up. I don't think I've ever fucked it up with John Lineker on the podcast, thankfully. But uh, yeah, Yancy, <laughs> he's not fighting a foreigner. He's fighting a Hawaiian. But I think Hawaiians like to be called non-American. Yeah, they're, they kind of, a lot know. of them think they're they're not really part Islanders. of the USA. Well, yeah. I don't actually know too much about it, so maybe yeah. we should probably we'll just talk about that it. Out. Yeah, we'll not talk about <laughs> it. But anyway, <laughs> it's a good fight. I was watching some Yancy Mineras fights this morning just to kind of get reminded before uh, before we did the podcast. And I'm really, it kind of befuddled me uh, about how this fight is going to go. Yancey is a, a guy who likes to come out, throw big shots, chain stances. He fights a lot out of the, the southpaw stance, throws big spinning kicks, goes mad. His last fight against Cowboy Oliveira was one of the fights of the year. Just an absolute war of a fight. Whereas Donald Cerrone is a little bit similar, but he likes to maybe get on the front foot himself. You know, he doesn't like maybe back and forth. He likes a, a fort. Just <laughs> him going forward, landing, landing leg kicks, landing head kicks, getting his jab in there. A good Muay Thai fighter. Uh, I, th- I think it's either going to be Cerrone wrecking Medeiros or it's going to be Medeiros wrecking Cerrone. And I'm not really 100% sure which one. You know, Cerrone's coming off of three losses. Uh, Medeiros is coming off of three wins, which you don't see often in the UFC. And I, I find it hard to pick this one. What, what are you? What's your thinking? Well, I'd go for Cerrone in this one. I think I think both are pretty hittable, uh, both Yancey and Donald. But I think um, Donald's a lot crisper in in his strikes, and he, he can mix in takedowns when he needs to. And um, he, he's he, he. I think I think he's been fighting obviously. Uh, Guys, a little better than he obviously he's lost three in a row, as you said, but he's been fighting better guys than Yancey has been fighting the, the three wins. But there, there is a certain momentum and confidence that comes with three wins as well. And if you look through Yancey's record, like his losses are a uh, decision to Trinaldo back in 2016, like that's not to be sniffed at. Um, Justin Parier, like Justin Parier is a very good fighter. Uh, Jim Miller back in 2014 was a very good fighter. Javi Love in 2013, very good fighter. Besides that, he's he's beaten everybody so. Maybe he hasn't been fighting the guys at the, the level of Cerrone. He definitely hasn't, in fact, but uh, uh, he is on a bit of momentum, as you say. But I, I would go with Donald Cerrone uh, in this one. I think uh, Cerrone's been in the main event before as well. It's been, been in big spots. And I think uh, I don't think Yancey Medeiros' boxing is, is good enough to... It's definitely good enough to cause him trouble, but I don't think it's 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 uh, like boxing defense. We talk about it all the time is is a bit of a weakness for Cerrone, but I, I I see him having enough tools to to lead the dance in this one. Yeah, I I agree with you definitely about the boxing thing. But I was just watching Yancy. He's he's like he's not a good version of Nate, of Nate Diaz, but his boxing is good. I mean, your your point about it not being good enough to beat Cerrone that could be it. And I, I'm I see that I'm I'm torn. I I think Yancey might be good enough. Uh just might be. I, I'm, 
I'm finding, I'm finding it hard. I, my picks will come out during the week anyway, and they'll be there for sure. But um, I, I think he could like, uh, and uh, on the the momentum thing as well. I, for oddly, I like what Jurgen Klopp says about momentum. He goes, momentum only exists if you go out and prepare yourself right and produce right on the day, and like constantly. I like, know I don't believe in momentum. Momentum is bullshit. Like I don't I really don't believe in that. But it's just a mental mind frame, I suppose. Though <laughs> I don't know, is it though? Like, but like. If like Cerrone, Cerrone's coming out three losses or four losses, a bit of weight on you there. You can't really afford this loss. But but that's the opposite of momentum. Like for for no, Madeira, I don't, but he, uh, he doesn't have momentum. And then Yancey has oh well, I'm 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 the best I've ever been. I've beaten these three guys. I'm in the main event. This is my big opportunity. Maybe it'll be too much for him. And he, the, the the big spot might he probably hasn't done the mental media that he'll have to do. And Cerrone has, so maybe that'll play into it as well. Like there is a few factors going on, but. Uh, I definitely think momentum can be a factor in sports. So what you're saying is Jorgen Klopp is fired. <laughs> <laughs> what about my right not to be offended? You're, you're uh, you don't have that right. You know. You're a white man. How does your, your, your right for freedom of speech trump my right to not be offended? Come on. Yeah, I like that. I like that's that. what she that's what Kathy, by that's what Kathy Newman said. That was like, he didn't get baited into it at all. That was brilliant. He didn't, to be honest. Uh, right, let's move on further down the card. Derek Lewis is fighting Marcin Tybora. Your boy. This is this is another one <laughs> I'm not really sure of. I was watching a bit of uh, a bit of Tybora fighting this morning, and he he's not a great fighter either. This this is really one that looks to me like Tybora will probably be jabbing him up, beating him for a round and a half, two rounds, and then he'll go for a takedown, and he'll probably get takedowns before that, like lie on top of Derek Lewis, beat the hell out of him from like side control or half guard, knee Derek into the Lewis body. Derek holding his back, and, and then there's like, like, oh, my back, yeah, and he'll have hands on his knees, and then he'll just land on top somehow and win. There's like five seconds left <laughs> in the fight. Tybura will get, get a, bring, take him, pull him up in the air, go just about to slam him straight in his neck, Derek Lewis will do an Imanari roll, get on top, beat the shit out of him, and knock him TKO him with a second left in the third round. I think that's basically how it's gonna go. So Derek Lewis, <laughs> four fifty nine of round three. But I'd, seriously, in all in all, yeah, I'd actually go for Tybora in this one. I think, uh, really? yeah, I think, I think, I think so. Um, he was able to go five rounds with with Verdum. Um, okay, he he lost pretty clearly, but uh, but um, he, he he seemed to have the cardio, and Lewis Lewis doesn't even in three round fights can get tired and he can start moaning about his back or he he seems to he seems to um maybe maybe they're legit excuses but you should be trying to if your back's injured you should be trying to hide that i think maybe but it's working for lewis he's in this he's in a pretty decent position for for his uh his skill level so he, he probably mm -hmm. knows better than us yeah i think marcin tybora is a far more skilled better fighter than Derek lewis and should win but Derek Lewis wins these fights all the time, unless he's totally, completely outmatched altogether, like he was uh, against Mark Hunt. You know, he's he beat Travis Brown, like and Ryan Nelson, who he's no business beating either of those guys. Like, uh, and and I think it'll it'll be the same here. To be honest, I think he will end up landing on top at some stage after taking a beating, and will end up winning uh, in the end. But um, I wouldn't be. <sighs> I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tybora did win it because that's what should happen. If I'm looking at it logically, that's what should happen. But logic goes out the window when it's when it's Derek Lewis fighting because he's he's one of those guys. Um, James Vickian is fighting Francisco Trinaldo. What about James Vickian Trinaldo before we get to Sage? Yeah, it's a really good fight. It's a good fight. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I think Vic will probably win this one, but Trinaldo's definitely no no easy matchup, and he's he's relentless mm-hmm. and he's really tough. But uh, I think Vic has really really come into his own recently. Like Trinaldo, obviously he's got some very good wins as well. He lost to Chiesa back in 2014. Since then, he's beaten Leandro Silva, Ariola, Norman Park, uh, Laprise, Ross Pearson, Yansky Medeiros, Paul Felder. Lost to Kevin Lee, beat Jim Miller. Like mm. that's a pretty good that's a pretty good really stretch good, yeah. he has there. Some, some top level guys, but James Vic just just seems to he's really really long. He knows how to use his his length. He he's strong. That's what he's, you said. Like that win over Joe. <laughs> that win over Joe Duffy was very impressive. He like he made he was able to to make adjustments on the feet pretty quickly, which against somebody who's got pro boxing experience and is a good striker like Joe Duffy was very was very impressive. Um, his only recent loss is to uh, to Benil Dariush, who obviously uh, you're a big fan of and is, is a really good mm-hmm. fighter. Um, and Mike Chiesa and the Ultimate Fighter before that, so um, they have a, a, co- a common opponent loss. But I think they're both different fighters now. But I think James Vick is is just I think he's going to have too much. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I, I think yeah, Jensvik will just be a little bit too long, a little bit uh, too too good on the outside and, and win that. What about Sage? He's fighting uh, Thibaut, Thibaut Guti, who's a, who's a few fights, well, four fights in the UFC. He's one and three, but he, all the guys he's lost to are pretty good, including Chad Labrise and Olivier Aubin-Mercier, but he beat An- Andrew Holbrook. Uh, last time out, who's you know who can be a tough enough out at uh, sometimes he beat Jack Matthews as well, you know, so that's that's no joke. Did Halbrook so, um, yeah. a tough enough, not a toughest fight in the world for for Sage, but not a walkover either, yeah, yeah. Like Halbrook, who be, who who he beat, has a has a win over Ramsey Nijam as well, and mm-hmm. Jake Matthews, as you said, and like okay, they're maybe not very top level, but they're they're tough guys. Um, Sage, though, I think in his last fight, I think he looked the best he's ever looked by, by a good bit. Okay, mm. maybe the guy he's fighting was no top level guy, but I don't think uh, Guti is either. So I'd go with Sage in this one. Um, probably a three round decision, clear enough for Sage. Yeah, Guti is six wins though by by submission. You wouldn't know Sage is pretty bad in the ground, but he has been training at uh, at Team Alpha Male as well. And I believe he's he's still there. So I'm mean, as you said, his last fight definitely against uh, Michelle Quinones was was pretty good. So hopefully he can. He can produce something like that again because MMA needs guys like says Narcot. You know, he's you know people love he's still to hate 21, him. 22 or something, yeah. isn't he? Like he's like, just been around for a few couple of years now, so people maybe have like I was saying about Max Holloway ever, earlier. Maybe say obviously it'd be unlikely that Sage will ever make it to the the heights of Max Holloway, but you wouldn't know. yeah, but you wouldn't know. And like mm-hmm. you know, changing camps from training with your with your dad to training with Alpha Male is a big step, and maybe it takes a while to to get used to it. And you're still young and you still have holes in your game, but he's a really good athlete. He's fast. He's got he's got a good style. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, he 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 got submitted a couple of times and once that was kind of a bit embarrassing. But but these things happen when you're a young fighter in MMA. You you, you make these mistakes and you close these holes and you, maybe it took them losses for him to get the impetus to change camps and to go and dedicate to alpha male. So maybe it's going to be a really good thing for him in the long term. Yeah, and. Uh... Jessica Aguilar, farmer, women's pound for pound number one. It's fighting the dreaded that, TBD. That that yeah, yeah. I don't know. She's fighting TBD. It says here in Wikipedia anyway. So oh, maybe they're searching for the Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think, I think her opponent pulled out. Uh, yeah. Never do that. Thiago <laughs> Alves. Thiago Alves, Andy's card. Yeah. Curtis Melinder. Oh yeah. Who's? I don't know who that is. Um. I'm even gonna lie. He hasn't fought in the UFC yet, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but Thiago Alves. 
Oh, did he? Okay. Tiago mm-hmm. Alves mentified um, a couple of times. I think it was uh, Zach Cummings and Mike Perry, and both of them fell apart due to uh, one was an injury to Cummings and one was a tra- some kind of travel problem for, for Visa or travel problem for Alves. So he's uh, his last fight was against Cote, and he, he won a unanimous decision and actually looked the best he'd looked in, in, in several years. But I think Alves is, is over the hill. He, he he may be 34, but he, I think he's a bit older than in terms of fight years and what his body's been through. And he, uh, he's, he's 22 wins and 11 losses. This this guy, um, Melander, who he's fighting, he lost a, like, uh, a few fights early on back in 2015 was his last loss. Since then, he's been he's been beating guys 4-1, 7-3, 9-5, 9-2, 11-2, and 12-2. And 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 so he's, he's made a step up successfully and he's been finishing he finished two or four of his last or three of his last four so i wouldn't be that surprised if 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 tiago alves just looked completely over the hill but because of his last fight against cote even though it was a while ago i i go with alves in this one and his that experience was, and that was that was terribly boring like nobody cared about that well, like yeah, people care about tiago alves don't they? <laughs> he's good leg gigs that's all i know yeah well he used to but he hasn't done that in a while either no, he hasn't yeah he hasn't right let's move on um <clears throat> Chris Cyborg is fighting uh, Yana Kunitskaya in the main event of UFC 222. Frank Edgar versus Brian Ortega T-City in the co-main event. No, it, it's it's a good way to save the card, isn't it, after Max Holloway fell out injured? I personally think it's actually a better card now than it was before that. Do you actually? Mm, I do, yeah. Like, you've got Cyborg, you've got Edgar against T-City. Oh, that's, okay. that's well, with fight. the Cyborg fight coming in, yeah. <clears throat> um, well, the, the Cyborg fight, I like the way they're just giving her somebody that she can hopefully... Or well, they're trying to line her up somebody that she can just like uh, knock out and get a quick finish against, and they can they can start building her up as this kind of unstoppable champion that she that she, she kind of has been for years, but not in the UFC, so she hasn't really been recognised as that by by casual fans. So uh, oh, it's good. how dare you? How dare you? Yana Ku- uh, Yana has two wins in five fights in six years. She's a real contender. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty thin up there in the non-existent 145 pound division. So, like. <laughs> the non-existent, yeah, it really is non-existent. Like, yeah, but they, they should be doing this. But this is good that it's they a have a fight weight as well. So you know, it's it's not even a featherweight. They should have her fighting more often if she, they're going to keep giving her. You know, nobody's like this. I feel bad. I shouldn't have said that now, but like, you know. Non-contenders, really. Like there is no contender. Yeah, this is a bantamweight who's, as you said, has two wins in however many years. So it's not exactly yeah. earned her way to this title shot. But it's good to see Cyborg back in there again. Anyway, you know we know how that fight's gonna go. No point talking more about that. Uh, Frank Edgar against T City. What, what, what about that? I, I like that fight. I think we discussed it a little bit last week when yeah. we were talking about who, who I, you know. And I, my feelings on it are like that. Frankie should win, but T City is one of those guys that can pull it out, and it's not a Derek Lewis type of pulling out. He's a, you know, if he can get it to his area where his skill levels are so good, he can win that fight and he can pull it out at any one moment. You know, he's his striking definitely isn't good enough, uh, and everything like that. But Frank Yeager, Frank Yeager's a good striker, but he's not the best striker in the world. I don't think he's going to knock him out or anything. And if he goes for a takedown at any stage of that fight, or if you know, if he's if Brian Ortega is able to get a hold of him and is able to take him down, you know that's that's not going to be easy. That is not going to be easy, and I, I'm kind of uh, I'm looking forward to that one now. 
Yeah, I, I agree that definitely when you're that good at jiu-jitsu as, or, as Ortega is, it's always there's always that opportunity that if it hits the ground with a takedown or even a scramble or a slip or anything like that, that, that he can just finish it quickly. But I think I think Edgar is going to have too much. He's going to play on the outside, throw a load of volume. Maybe he won't land that much, but won't land that higher percentage of his punches, but it'll be such a good volume that he'll land, he'll land plenty. And T-City is pretty easy to hit uh, historically. Um and maybe isn't as urgent to get it to the ground as, as he should be, but maybe when Edgar is putting this volume on him, he'll go for it. But uh, uh, over three rounds, I think Edgar will, will do enough from the, from the outside with a striking uh, to to win the round. I think, or to win the fight, I think Edgar will, will stay away from the. He won't be trying to put him on his back to to confirm rounds. I think he'll he'll be there'll be enough of a disparity on the feet that Edgar will be happy to keep it there. And um, maybe similar enough to when he fought BJ Penn the first couple of times, just throw a, a ridiculous amount of volume uh, from the outside and just keep moving. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it anyway. It, it should be a good fight and um, not not actually a terrible card now when you look down through it. Yeah, Struve and Arlovsky is a decent... Uh, all right, there's a couple more there. ones as well. Now, what else is on it? Have you opened there? Jackson Gano and uh, Caitlin Vieira. Uh, it's a good fight. Vieira's uh, undefeated 9-0, Katsangano's 9-2, obviously very good, uh, knocked out Misha Tate a few years ago, uh, lost to Ronda Rousey really quickly, but um, I think that was just a kind of a stupid mistake, she just kind of ran across the, the cage and got... Was, wasn't weird. it Zingano against Amanda Nunes as well, where Zingano beat the shit out of her for like a round and a half and then... Amanda Nunes took over one, or was that? Or did Amanda Nunes win early, but then kind of get tired and nearly lose? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. Maybe. But yeah, yeah, she's coming off a loss to uh, Judah. Well, that was it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. In her last fight as well. Um, obviously Julian Pena is a good fighter as well, but maybe uh, Zingano needs needs this win now if she wants to put herself back in contention. She's she's a big 35er as well. She could if she can get a few wins going, she probably get a shot at Cyborg as well if she if she wanted to change divisions. She doesn't even need a win. I just say, yeah, I'll fight Cyborg and she'll more than likely get it. But yeah, that, that's not bad anyway. Right, let's move on to the... You're, you're a girl uh, and Mackenzie Dern, though. Mackenzie no. Dern is on it, yeah. You you actually, you actually love calling her my girl now after the uh, the awards nominations because I nominated her for like five awards. But I think she's she's a good prospect. Like, you know, she improved in her last fight. Her yeah. GGSU is obviously the best of anyone in the world, you know, so you can't sit with that. And it's a, it's a nice matchup for against Yoder as well. Yeah, and your well, boy Benil that there, you sh- when it comes <clears throat> Benil boy Team Sheehan. Oh yeah, Israel is on Team Sheehan now as well. I officially announced that today, and Jack Mackey's <laughs> one as well. So what a weekend for Team Sheehan! What a weekend for Team Sheehan! I needed a middleweight. I was looking out for one, and Israel is on it. It's style Binder, the Sheehan bin. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> The, the, the people's main event as well. Binder, Jesus, people's the people's main who's event. the people's main event? The, Dober, the Doberman's return. See the Doberman. It's he. Versus Hector Lombard. Oh, he's, is he on Team Graham? He is. Nah, he's not. But uh, I always, uh, it's always funny. Just, just disappears for years and then pops up. <laughs> Who was the other lad as well? Who was your man? Um, he, oh, what's his name? He went vegan and all that. He was a Mac Danzig. Remember him? He was oh, always yeah, in that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Evan Dunham was kind of one of them as well. He just fights every is, seven or eight months and disappears and doesn't say a word. Yeah, remember Evan Dunham was ranked. Like he was ranked for fucking ages and that. Maybe he's probably is he still he ranked? He was in like decisions. Whatever. He, he is still ranked. He's still ranked. He fought at, like yeah. whatever level his opponent fought at for like for years. He just kind of mm-hmm. one of them guys that just either ups or ups his performance to your level or goes down to your level. But also, yeah, yeah. Another another interesting fight is uh, Caraway against Cody Staman. 
Carway has been out for a while as well. He's he's very good. Graham, uh, Graham, we need to, we need to stop talking about this card because we'll have nothing to talk about in like two weeks when this card's actually happening. <laughs> all right, go. Cool. Let's do it. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the questions. Just forget all of what was said there because we're going to say it again in like two weeks' time. So uh, yeah, fair play. Uh, <laughs> Right, let's get to the naked lake you and a before we do that if you have any questions for us during the week send them in at severe and may pod uh throughout the week we'll keep them we'll keep the questions uh ready you can uh, email us severe and podcast at gmail.com uh head over to severe and may as well support the website severe for us as merchandise buy yourself a t-shirt or something we, we need to set up a patreon you know we need to do that let us know people if you if you want to give us like five or a week or a month on patreon for the beautiful 150 podcasts we've we've given That'd be that'd be brilliant. Let us know and we might we might set it up. So uh, yeah, do that anyway. Severemail.com, all that good stuff. Uh Naked Lake QA. True or false? Frank Edgar will not fight for a UFC title in 2018. Will not fight. False. Including interims. So so you think he will fight for one? I think he will fight for one, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'll fight for one. I think T City will beat him and that'll be the end of Frank Edgar. He'll retire and we'll never see him again. Uh <laughs> well not the end, but I do think T City will beat him. Maybe. That might be a little bit. I need, mean, yeah, I no, yeah, I agree. I don't think it will. Luke Rockwell's next fight <laughs> will be at two o five. It should be. Um, false. I think false as well, but it should be. Uh, Adesanya will be ranked by the end of two thousand eighteen. Um, let me look at that middleweight division. Middleweight fifteen is Brad Tavares, Paulo Costa, Tristan, yeah, Jacko. Mm, if they give him that Machida fight I was talking about, yeah, but he, yeah, he could probably have two fights. Yeah, I'm gonna say true as well. I'm gonna say true. Who knows what these rankings people are gonna do though? You never exactly. really know. Joe Rogan will sign a new commentary contract after his current one ends. Uh, I'd I say true. He might sign like a short term, yeah. maybe like a one deal, a one year deal or something. That's like what that. he did last time. I think it's up again this year, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, I can't remember. I remember he said on his podcast that he signed a short term one, but uh, I can't remember when that was. Speaking of that though, what, what did you think of Jimmy Smith? Yeah, I thought he was good. Um, mm. Yeah, he he didn't see like he he just did the exact same thing he does with Bellator with minus the score in the rounds, which which I think Brilliant. is better that way. So yeah, I think he did a great job. Yeah, did he mention fire hydrant at any time during the? Actually, mm, I don't think he did. Yeah, fair play to him. It, I, I wasn't watching live, but I thought he, he probably, didn't, he probably any... didn't get a chance to, to to roll with the guys or something because yeah, he <laughs> he's got to make a comment that uh, they like wrestling with a fire hydrant. <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought he did especially well because I don't think John Anik was a little bit off. He, he missed the flight and stuff. He was like traveling for like fucking 40 hours or something. So you can you can leave him down. And it's like seven o'clock in the morning as well. So it, it must be a bit weird to do that. I thought he was a little bit off, but I thought Jimmy Smith was very, very good. I thought he was better than he was even at Bellator because that stupid round scoring, he didn't have to do it. And uh, he was good. I like the little bit, bits of analysis he does. He does them better than anyone else because he's so experienced at him because Bellator have always been doing them. And it's only something new the UFC have been doing. So I think he brought another element to that. I thought he was very, very good. Uh, right, next, the rest of the There's only two left from Naked Air. AKA will have zero champions by the end of 2018. <sighs> <sighs> Habib, Habib could be one in a couple of weeks' time here. Yeah, Habib could be. In, oh, he said interim belt's not included. So, oh. well, we don't even know which. If it's an interim belt, is it not? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Whew. Um, who do they have is at the moment? Cormier. Mm. Oh, yeah, Cormier is a champion. I forgot about that. Kane. Kane's not a champion. Yeah, but he could be. Could be. I go with. I think they will have still have at least one champion. But I do. Yeah, I do as well. Because who? Like Jones probably won't be back. DFC DC win or lose 
isn't is still going to be a champion after that heavyweight fight. And who's going to come back? Like Jimmy Manoir or someone? Like, yeah, he's he's not losing that belt, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cormier yeah, could, could maybe, if he lost to, to Stipe, could end up fighting like Gustafsson and losing. But I think it's more likely that he'll... Yeah, he'll actually, yeah. forgot about Gustafsson, yeah. Yeah, but false anyway, as I answer that one, because I said zero, yeah, so false. This is an interesting question. I like this one. James Gallagher will headline the next UFC card in Ireland. Ooh. That's a fucking uh, good question. That's a fair, Nate, you might be a dirty rotten Liverpool fan, but that was a good question. Um, I'm a terrible, terrible Liverpool fan. False, false. I don't true. think it, I think it could happen, but I think the safer option is probably false. Did, who do you think will uh, headline the next UFC card in Ireland? So? See, it, it might not be for a few years, so everything can change so quickly in a few years. <laughs> um, um, I'd say I will see Gallagher in the UFC at some stage. Um, UFC could even do it like you know a fight night over here with with somebody who's not Irish main event in the card mm-hmm. in between as well. So I think the safer option is false, but I wouldn't be surprised. And it is a good question, as you said, it, an interesting one. They probably Google me or something. Uh, <laughs> loads of people have asked about this, and I, I don't know the answer to this, so you might. Uh, Dustin Hayes is one of them. I mentioned a couple more lads when I scroll up later. About Ali Abdelaziz talking about SPG and John Cavanaugh and Demi this week. I actually didn't catch it. What did he say? Did he oh, get a chance oh, to catch it? You, you I, obviously didn't either, did you? He said something about Ali, John Cavanaugh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What did you say? Um, I was just laughing at Ali. Um, he's just ridiculous. Um, he, he said something about John Kavanagh not being a legit black belt, but um, I think it was Frumper O'Brien who came out and like gave like he's from Matt Thornton and Matt Thornton was from someone else, and then he's from one of the one of the most legit Gracies out there. So you know you can criticize well, like, John Kavanagh for other things, but I don't think to, to yeah. say he's not a legit black belt, I don't think is is fair to be honest. Yeah, I think a lot of what Ali says is just he just said, pops into his head at the time, and then he ends up saying it or posting it on his fighters Twitter page or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think just ignore him. He's a he's a fool. Um, Mr. Podge and a few people asked as well about this. Did you hear about this thing? Bellator were offering a guy two hundred and fifty to win, two hundred and fifty to show off for this fight. Yeah, uh, well, somebody saying it was like a like it was like a semi pro or something. There was some. I don't know, yeah, from O'Brien again. Fair play to him. He's he's given us all our information on the podcast this week. He said it was it was like. Uh, not a NASCAR event, but like a monster event or something, you know, where they wanted to just have a few fights at like some event and then they got Bellator to uh, to promote it for them. I don't know whether that's true or not. That's what Ryan was saying, but yeah, you know, it's it's this isn't an official Bellator event, I don't think. It's one of those small things that they have like in, you know, in a car park or something. And 250 to win, 250 to show that's terrible that's what you're getting yeah but that's what you're getting <laughs> you know this is not a better show i think i think uh, uh brad warton put up a thing about it and peter queely came in afterwards like that that's not bad money for that level like you know and maybe people yeah, like, money, a pro, you know, like you're not even a pro yet like uh, you, you have no name like it's it's definitely not a good contract but uh there was i think there was a bit too much uh uproar over yeah uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. Uh, Mr. Podge as well asked about Woodley and Diaz. There was um, there was talks about it. Yeah, this week. What what do you think of that? Will he just wrestle the life out of him? Mr. Podge asks. Um, if it happens, I think uh, yeah, it's a really good star matchup for Woodley, but I don't think it will happen. Um, although you never really know. Um, Diaz coming off a loss. Okay, he won his last welterweight fight. Play <laughs> it that way. Last time welterweight, the or no, he didn't actually. Sorry, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah. I, 
I prefer to see Diaz at 155, and I prefer to see Woodley fight somebody uh, who's who's <laughs> who's ranked in the the top five or six at least. Mm. I actually think it'd be a more interesting matchup than people think, but I think uh, Woodley would end up taking him down and winning. Noblar asked a few questions. All, uh, one given out about me putting uh, Israel on Team Sheehan, and then another one about Mark Hunt looking the best he has in years. So you're wrong on fucking all accounts there, Noblar. What are you talking about? And he asked about Aljamain Sterling. Is it too soon for him to come back after a bad KO? He he was matched. Who was he matched up against? Right, uh, or no, was just, he got knocked out against. Um, Aljo, uh, I saw this earlier. Yeah. I can't remember. Hold on, let me look it up. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty vicious knockout. Like uh, he was out for a good while, and with your brain, it's it's hard to know. And like even the doctors, they find it hard to know what's going on with the brain. So you're probably better off resting it if you can. So depending on what date, Brett Johns. Brett Johns. Brett Johns. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know when it is? No, uh, it's in a couple of months, I think. That's it's a pretty good fight. That's one, one of the upcoming, uh, I think it's 2-2-3 two, two, or 2-4. Two, two, but it's one of the, it's, that's a good fight, though. I, mean, I do think he's coming back a little bit soon, even. You know, he should have a fight book this soon. I don't think he got a bad, bad knockout. And I'd like to see him snap off a little bit more. But uh, it should be a, it should be a good a good fight all the same. Uh, a lot of people as well asked about, you know, I think we've kind of discussed it about the 30%. Should, should Rockhold have taken that and things? Well, what are you? your feelings on that we discussed it a bit last week but yeah i think i think it's easy to uh, the 30 percent for the the weight cut yeah i think yeah i think we kind of said it earlier it was the right decision for rockhold with the with the belt and the number one contendership or the interim belt and the number one contendership on the line um plus he's obviously gone he's gone put his money into a camp he he, he went away from aka and trained with other people so he obviously that it costs money to do that and you don't want to just end up with, with nothing and hope you end up sitting there hoping the UFC will give you your show money which they might not do so it made sense to do it obviously afterwards when you get knocked out you might think oh maybe I should have done it but it's easy to say that afterwards and and he, he even though he lost he got paid and he might not have got paid before and this is prize fighting at the end of the day so yeah I think uh I think when you're somebody like Rockhold who believes in himself and is going for a title, you, you, you don't pull out of that fight. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Andy Stevenson has a couple of good questions here. He asked about the sidebinders takedown defense. We kind of discussed that earlier on. Yeah, it could be an issue, but I actually think it's, it's not that bad. But uh, as he rises in level, it could be an issue. But he said some people are calling for him to fight Uriah Hall next. Is that too soon? I think that's a fantastic fight. I think mm. that's a brilliant matchup. Make that happen. Although Uriah Hall nearly died when he tried to make middleweight last time, so he should probably go up. But if he can make middleweight, I'm I'm down for that. Let's let's make that fight happen. I like that. Yeah, we'll watch. Um, CD Irish MMA one nine four. Um, the most important question of the week: What do you put in your pancakes, Graham? Pancakes, uh, bit of a uh, bit of lemon. Bit of lemon, that's it. Bit of lemon? What about a bit of, just lemon? Bit of sugar? Well, that would be my favorite, but I do I, like I would go a bit of like um banana Nutella or like a bit of mm. bit of bacon. Like if you ever had bacon bacon and I've cheese. I've never had that. Pancake. No, I'm not American, but cheese. Cheese bacon and cheese pancake. Class. Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. Huh? What kind of cheese? Just any kind of melted cheese. This is flummox. How would uh, explain this to me now? Like, what? Oh, just the cheese on top of the pancake, is it? No, just like kind of. You just kind of put it on the bacon when you're cooking the bacon. Okay. Oh, I tried that. I've I've actually always wanted to check to, to taste bacon and pancake. Like, is it just normal pancakes you'd have in Pancake Tuesday that the yeah. Americans eat with bacon? 
That's very weird. I, I don't know what that work, but I'm, I'm oh, well, to try the it. Americans have these weird kind of thick, kind of fluffy, kind of mm. bready pancakes. Yeah. I like the, the skinnier, kind of wider ones. But. Yeah. I might make a fucking few blueberry pancakes this year, maybe. Might make a few blueberry pancakes, see what they're like. Yeah, but you can't go wrong, though, with a Nutella and uh, and uh, ice cream, a bit of cream, whipped cream as well. You ever put Nutella mm. and banana together? Better. No, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Patrick Sheehan, would Gaslam or Wyden be a better choice for Whitaker next than you will? Mm. Um, yeah, that, that is actually a good question, I think, because, you know, if you will, had obviously won the title if he'd made weight, then, you know, there'd be no argument here. But Gaslam is injured, hasn't won much, you know, or, or sorry, Weidman is injured, hasn't won much lately. He did beat Gaslam, though, so in fairness, but Gaslam could, because of Weidman's injury, could get in there. He's beaten Bisping, and he's a nice few wins, not in a row, but he's a nice few wins uh, at middleweight now after going up. It's hard. It's hard after seeing you well absolutely destroy Luke Rockall like that to not give it to him. Though I see, you know, you were kind of making that point earlier. Yeah, it's not. It's not a pattern uh, unless I'm unaware of him missing weight before. I'm pretty sure he hasn't missed weight since he's been in the UFC and even before that. So it's. Uh, I don't think it's a problem yet. But if you were to miss weight again, then you put yourself in a in a strange position. But I think I think he's close enough to the total shot that it, that he'll get the total shot. And it was obviously. Meant to be for the interim belt. It was kind of interim belt. Kind of means no more contendership. The the belt is just there to sell the pay per view. Like we kind of talked about this several times. So I think it's yeah. I think it's the Romero shot. Yeah, uh, Dustin has asked as well who should be next for Woodley. I think RDA is probably next for him. You know, he talks about um, Nate Diaz as well. But I think RDA is probably is probably the man who should be should be there next. You know, you've called be there as well and stuff. But you know, I think RDA. I don't think Kobe's re- ready yet. No, I, I think RDA has has earned it. I think Wonderboy probably deserves it most if if yeah if the two fights hadn't gone down like they'd gone down. Yeah. But I think I think yeah I think Desanios has earned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Ball asks, is Sean going to apply for MasterChef Ireland? I should really, don't I? I'm, I'm an absolute sensation in the kitchen, so I should, so maybe. Uh, Andy Hall asks, with Adesanya looking so impressive last night, what, in your opinion, are the top three UFC debuts? This is a tough one. You'd have to put Anderson Ooh. Silva in there, aren't you? Wouldn't yes, you? Even. Against yeah. Khabib and absolutely destroyed him. Um, hmm. John Jones, what was his debut again? Uh, I'm not sure. German I, suplex some guy around the place. He fucked up with a dude, all right. Yeah. But I think, I, did I go to decision, maybe? I'm not sure. McGregor was pretty good. Lesnar's UC debut was pretty fun as well against Heath Herring when he just like ran into no, him. No, that wasn't his debut, was it? it wasn't it Frank Mir in his debut? Pretty sure it was. Oh, uh, maybe it was. I was actually looking this up the other day. Hold on, I look it up. Any any other ones you can you can think of there? Like it, a lot of these guys, maybe they don't come into the UFC yeah, until yeah, in, um, into like a later date and stuff. Like back in the day, maybe it would have been um, it would have been a little bit easier to. But yeah, it was Frank Mir was Brock Lesnar's UFC debut, but uh, Adesanya to be up there as well. It was, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. Jones was against uh, Gusmo, so uh, it was a decision. It actually was the Stephen Bonner fight, I think, where he, where, where yeah. he, second fight in the UFC where he just dominated seven bonner and suplex him around the place that people were like wow mm-hmm. but um what are ones um so probably some of the wec guys coming over is probably a good one to think about um who came over and had really good fights right away um Cerrone or not Cerrone probably did did he who did he fight first coming over pettis was in a bit of a, a bit of a controversial fight against uh clay Guida. yeah he did eddie alvarez 
Michael. What? Oh no, do you know yeah. uh, Justin Gaethje as well? Michael Johnson. He has that has to be one of the yeah, best ever. Definitely. Yeah, that was brilliant. This was probably there's probably so yeah. many we're forgetting about. There's loads. Years, of, yeah, um, definitely loads we're forgetting. Like uh, lads, uh, Ronda Rousey came even, in, and even lads who don't turn uh, out to be that good in the end, like you know, they come in, and they look fantastic. Like Lando Venata, he even lost in his first, yeah, yeah even mm-hmm. lost in his yeah. first fight uh, to to Tony Ferguson, but he did a little way yeah. better than people were were thinking, and it was a great fight. Um, so like even ones like that that people didn't even necessarily win, or people who didn't turn out to be top level in the end, it's probably it's probably loads you're for, we're forgetting, but uh, um. I'm just trying to think of WBC. Um, guys. Yeah, we've we a good few. Really flash when they came over. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the PC guys. Yeah, DC as well. Probably when he came over. Who did he fight? Did he fight? Was it Frank? Ryan Anson, Frank Mir, one of them. Uh, no, he didn't fight Frank Mir in the end, did he? I don't know. But uh, yeah, lot of, lot of, we've a lot of good ones there. That'll do. Uh, Kenny asked, Keener KO on Sunday, Yoel Romero or Matt Ritchie? Fucking scumbag. Too too soon. I get too soon. But definitely, definitely Matt Ritchie. Without a doubt, without a doubt. What Stuart Hayes kicked to the face. That was pretty nice. We missed him. It was only uh, you know, it's only barely touched him. Uh, what's your top five pound for pound PED list? I like I like this question right here. Here we go. Number one, anyway, John Jones. Number two, Anderson Silva. Hmm. Cowboy Cerrone has to be up there. Is is Vaseline performance enhancing? <laughs> no PED, so it's performance enhancing drugs. Vaseline's not a drug. Okay, there's no drugs in Vaseline. No, no drugs in Vaseline. Bro- um, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Oh. Well, would he be in the top three or four? Maybe. You know, who, who else? Is there anyone? You know, I'm looking at the rankings here. Who else is? Who else is? Over him him when he was PED over him. Over oh, that man never filled it out. What about R- RDA? Hasn't filled it out. Sorry. Horse um, meat, man. It was all horse meat. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Uh, did no yeah, over him? Did fill it out, didn't he? He did. Over him. Over him oh, did yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did when he fought Lesnar and he failed yeah. that one, didn't he? Yeah, there you go. So I think we have a top five there. So there you go. Um, yeah, pretty good. Uh, okay, I think we've one more question. Derek Kelly asked there about um about John Kavanaugh, but we've we've answered that one as well. Um Gavin Springett asks about um about Luke Rockhold moving to to two oh five. We talked about that as well. Big Red asked about him being a little bit too tentative. Um and I think he he probably was. Uh but last question, Farrell Connolly. Uh if Cowboy Cerrone loses next week against Medeiros, could he be caught seeing as he's going from three losses in a row? No, no, no. His main event of pay-per-view still, like, or main event in cards still, you know, he's still a draw. Uh, I think I think people know him. I don't think casuals know that he's on a three-fight skid. They just see, oh, Don Cerrone, I know him. He's he's fun. Let me watch this card. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, and I think if he did, they'd probably give him someone dirt easy in his next one, you know, like... John McDessie again. He bought, did he beat John, he beat John McDessie? Like yeah, him, him against him against um, some of the guys in Bellator, like Chandler and people like that were big fights for Bellator as well. So I don't think the UFC want to give them yeah. give them a surround. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Right. That that's it. This has been a pretty long podcast, actually. I think so. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you stuck with us this long, uh, follow Graham at Severe May. Follow me at Severe May. Um, no, at Sean Sheen B. Sorry, did, did I? Yeah, I don't know what I did there. You know where to follow us anyway. Uh, over on Facebook as well, Instagram, all that good stuff. Severe May dot com. Benitez. Fuck you. I hope for me, no, Mane 
and Salah all simultaneously tear their ACLs. That's what I thought that was. You're you're a horrible person. Nah, that's I'm I'm, I'm honest. Like you can't you can't hurt, kill me for being honest. I'm just honest. I hope I hope I wish bad on all of those players, and I hope they never play for Liverpool again. So there you go. <laughs> my 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 inspiration good after that but uh but here it comes thanks everyone for uh for listening again spread the board of the podcast tweet it out uh, at severe my pod there you go inspiration quote of the week vision without action is a daydream action without vision is a nightmare we'll see you next tuesday or monday or sunday